Righto, you legends, before we rip into another episode of the Deadass Podcast, I'd firstly like to thank our major sponsor, Country Tracker Caps, for the continued support of the podcast. You will find their merchandise at thecountrycompanies.com or if you'd like to design your own cap, head to countrytruckercaps.com. Knuckles has fired up a discount code for the pallbearers. Type in Deadass at the checkout to receive your discount. That is D-E-A-D-A-S-S. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Deadass Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Deadass Podcast. I am your host, Brizey, where we capture stories and share eulogies. And today I have got a guest on with me, Mr. Phil Hoare, who is a... Uh, what would be the best way to describe you, sir? <laughs> Tall. Um, <laughs> um, a historian. Is historian. Probably the best way to do it. Okay, yes. That, that encompasses everything. A time traveller. A time traveller. Yeah, no, that's good. Now, um, you have a very extensive resume um, by going by what some of the stuff that I have read on your website where you offer these um, time safaris. I'll always get the job interview. I may not get the job, but people see my CV and go, who's this guy? (laughs) We've got to talk to him. And so I'll always get the interview, may not get the job, but I'll always get my foot in the door. Look, I'm blown away by your resume. Um, Now... To give the listeners um, a bit of an idea, how I met you was one of your time safari tours that you do um, and the one that you do of a night time at, at Rocky down at the, where we meet at the Criterion Hotel, which is like a um, historic pub on the riverbank of the Rockhampton in central Queensland here. Very and iconic building. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and you do a guided tour of the history of it and some of the cool <laughs> stories, gruesome and a bit of everything, like all wrapped up into this one tour, which I absolutely loved. Like I I was fanboying the whole time listening to it. It was fantastic. 
on your website it says it goes for roughly an hour. I sort of persuaded you to stay longer. Yeah, <laughs> and well, it doesn't take much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you and, need me to talk more? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was about close to two hours by the time we finished because I was just absolutely fascinated, had a heap of questions for you. Um, but before we get to that point, I want, I'd love to hear a bit about your history yourself, about where you sort of grew up, what got you fascinated with everything yep. um, and sort of where it sort of led you down your path and then got you to here this day? Because so. it's, a, it's a, a tale for the ages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I actually do uh, talk to schools and like year 12s and year 10s yes. about this because there's so much pressure on them today that yes. it's good to hear another view. Of course. And yeah. I'm that other view. That's a <laughs> so, cool view. Um, so I was born in Griffith, New South Wales, so yep. right dead smack in the middle of New South Wales. We were only there for a couple of years, like maybe three years, and we moved to Canberra. 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 <laughs> um, so I spent most of my time in Canberra. Um, I got into like paleontology, like fossils, uh, in kindergarten. I remember uh, going to kindergarten and I'm so old, we didn't have like the video back then, you had the old – eight millimetre film that they showed. Yes, that's right. And they showed us the dinosaur section from Fantasia, the eight-minute really? uh, spring uh, uh, springtime, I think it's called. Yes. Um, and it's the, the evolution of life and it ends with the big T-Rex fighting a, a stegosaurus. Yeah. Never seen dinosaurs in my life and that's my first thing. So I ran home that day going, oh, my God, oh, my God, dinosaurs, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. <laughs> Which is – and I, I always tell people – this is a great thing. If a kid's into something, yes. that's fantastic because it makes it easy to buy them birthday presents. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Because yeah, you're always like, what literally. do I get the kid? You know, yeah. Oh, he loves dinosaurs. <laughs> I'll get him the latest dinosaur book or whatever. Yeah. So I got inundated with uh, books and I always loved books. You know, my mother remembers, uh, she always tells this story that I, she says I was eight months old yes. sitting up, carefully leafing through a book, you know, uh, Page by page, oh, really? slowly turning over. You know, obviously not reading a thing, yeah, but just yeah, just the, the the action of opening up this book. I was fascinated. So, always wanted to be a writer. Yes. Always wanted to work with dinosaurs. Lived in Canberra. Hard to do any of that, of course. <laughs> um, so, I went and did other things like everybody does. So, yeah. you know, I worked. Um, I, I was I was the youngest back dock manager for Big W. Oh, really? At, at nineteen, like I took over, and, and the Canberra Big W at the time was the biggest in Australia. So. Yep. Uh, didn't last there for long because they, they were going, well, he's 19, he's a bit young. We'll, we'll get somebody new in. Mm. And, you know, it's not, I didn't do anything didn't, wrong. No, they just didn't really want to give you a chance. They're a bit old school in that way. Yeah, and being 19, I'm like, screw you. <laughs> I'm not taking this. I quit. <laughs> and so then I moved on. I was uh, a storm and settlement at the um, National Convention Centre. Yeah, okay. Cool. And that was in around 1990. Yeah. Right when the – I don't know if you remember um, all of Australia's airlines went on strike. Mm -hmm. That was when I was working in a convention centre. Oh, no. Which all the conventions <laughs> were shut and closed and everything. Um, shattered my leg there. So a lot of this will have to do with injuries. Yeah. Uh, broke my leg, was off for about a year. Wow. Because uh, it – like a half-ton door fell on my leg from – Holy smokes. Yeah, really. Even today one leg's yeah. bigger than the other. Yeah, wow. Um, so – while I was recuperating and everything, I kind of went, yeah, I'm not enjoying that job. Yeah. So, you know, just did a couple other jobs and then finally walked into a comic shop and I've been collecting comics my whole life. Walked into a comic shop and I was talking to a guy who somehow knew me. Really? And he's like this iconic guy. He's called Gonny. He's this South American, 
you know, he's black. If yeah. if there's a serial killer in Canberra, he was the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he was a dark individual. Yeah, and sure. He's like the cool guy that you'd yeah. always kind of see around. Yeah, of course. And he's going, oh, you, you want a job? Wow, oh, really? Yes. So I started working the comic shop. And then, like, so I eventually was managing. They they bought, there was a big franchise of comic shops called Phantom Zone. And yeah. they were taking over Australia in the 90s when comics were huge. Yeah, sure. Um, so I ended up managing their second shop. And while I was there, <laughs> uh, my friend was working at uh, Greater Union Cinemas. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. And I've yep. always wanted to be a projectionist. <laughs> so I was like, oh, how do you become that? And he, he gets, he, and it's his story. He's like, every time I go to a party, oh, you're a projectionist. How do you become a projectionist? Yeah. And he, that's a good given, question. Yeah. And what he'd say is, there's a there's a, a cinema in Canberra called uh, the Capital Cinema, and the guy who runs that is seventy years old, old school, oh. bored as hell, happy to talk to anyone. So go in, talk to him, get him to train you, and then come back and see me, and I'll introduce you to my boss because it's Greater Union, which is yeah. here, Birch Carroll and Coyle. Yes. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. And so that's the story he tells everyone, and nobody did it. Uh, but I did. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I yeah. went and talked to this old guy and he was amazing. And he really? it all old school. I went back to my friend and went, okay, so I've done that. And he's like, what, you, you did it? <laughs> I've told that story to like 100 people and nobody did <laughs> no it. Nobody did it. So I did it. So I became a projectionist and um, that's back when projection was like a, a skill. Yes. And you actually had to get a license. Really? Yeah. So I'm uh, officially a SP3, <laughs> which means <laughs> I can do everything, including the old 70 mil, the giant uh, format. Yep. Um, and I was doing that for a while and then, uh, <laughs> uh, broke my leg there. <laughs> oh, no, same leg? Uh, yeah, it's always the same leg. It's always I've, the same leg. I've broken this leg like five times. Oh, I've done the least. knee twice. I've done the ankle and the last ankle I was on my back for two years. Wow. Which is why I'm so big at the moment. Yep. Um, um. Yeah, and I'm still having issues with that. So it, it's like when you know when you're watching the racing cars and they say you know your flat spot, your tire, you always find that's flat spot. Yeah, I always find this leg. <laughs> it's always damaging this leg. Oh um, no. Yeah, so I was doing that, and then uh, just happened to walk into uh, my girlfriend at the time took me to the National Dinosaur Museum. So I walked into the National Dinosaur Museum, um, and I've been doing theatre. I've been uh, crewing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I even worked for Australian Ballet for a short time. Get to um. Yeah, because you can see I built like a ballerina. <laughs> um, I will say, I've never been more intimidated in my life, and I'm a big guy. Yeah, the first day, like I was uh, crewing for the Australian Ballet, and they're all uh, warming up on stage, and the guys were just ripped. I'm Jacked. like, just standing there going, "Holy crap!" <laughs> I'm just standing there, like so intimidated. And then they walked off, and they're all like four foot five. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Um, Walked in the National Dinosaur Museum and, and I was just – my girlfriend took me there for my birthday, which is in Canberra. Yep. I was talking to the manager and, you know, we just started talking. I've been reading about dinosaurs my whole life. Yeah, sure. So I just started – he just – and I didn't realise at the time he was kind of questioning me because oh, he must have picked up on something okay. going, this guy yeah. kind of knows what he's yeah, talking about. Yeah, rodeo. Yeah. So after the conversation he went, do you want a job? <laughs> really? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was working at the cinema – at the Dinosaur Museum, at the comic shop, all at the same time. <laughs> I was just working nonstop. Uh, eventually became the uh, curator of the National Dinosaur Museum. For, Did you really? For many reasons. And if you want that story, it's the greatest story ever. Yeah. Oh, if it's the greatest story, please tell <laughs> it me. It is the greatest story ever. So <laughs> it will start with we decided to make the National Dinosaur Museum a safety house. Okay. Because we went like the whole – like the National Dinosaur Museum when it was opened was way out on the boonies. It's out near um, – 
Cottington Green. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's sure. out where there yep. were no suburbs. Yes, okay. And then the newest suburbs are all around the Dyson Museum. Yes, so it was growing up and it was young families and stuff. So we went, well, it's a good PR thing. We'll make ourselves a, a safety house. You know, no kid's ever going to come running to us for help. But Yeah, of course. Just it's a good PR thing. And this manager um, put us in for it and we failed. Really? Yeah. I'm like, well, why did we fail? We, we found out why. Okay. So <laughs> uh, do you remember the girl who went missing the, opposite the National Dinosaur Museum? Is, sorry, because you're from Cam- – we were saying yeah. before you're from Canberra. Yeah, that's right, from Canberra. Uh, yeah. Is the George Harcourt Inn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A girl went missing from there and they found her body on – Lake uh, Belly Griffin. Yeah, actually, a very famous. Yeah, yes, I do remember that. That's yes. directly across the road. Uh, so I come in one morning. It's a Saturday. This guy's sitting in his underwear at the front counter. Uh, <laughs> the whole place smells like red wine. Oh, I'm no. I'm like, mate, what are you doing? He's like, I've been up all night. I've been getting so much work done. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, we've got birthday party staying yeah, soon. Yeah, kids. Course, you right. have to go. Yes. And he was living in the unit out the back of the museum. The museum has a unit. Yeah. So okay. he went out the back and we just assumed we're sleeping it off. Yeah. About an hour later, his girlfriend's brother runs in through the front door going, he's gone mad. You've got to call the cops. You're kidding me. <laughs> and I just handed the phone over and went, the National Dinosaur <laughs> Museum refuses to take part of this, but <laughs> you are more than welcome to ring the police yourselves. When you call them, please ask yes. them to go to the back of the museum. Yes, that's a good way to curate it. <laughs> 20 minutes later, where are the cops? <laughs> right out the front. Oh, of course they are. Yeah, they're all pouring in. They're, oh. they're getting everyone out. So apparently he's had a fight with his girlfriend. Yeah. He's then started picking up her stuff and throwing it out onto the onto the street. Oh. She's called the brother to come and pick him up, yeah. her up. So they're putting everything in. He's run out, started jumping on top of the car, going absolutely <laughs> ape shit. So they've gone, oh, my God, he's jumped out of the car and run around the front to call the cops. He's then run into the building and has disappeared. And you can get from the apartment into the museum. Ah, okay, right. And it, the National Dinosaur Museum used to be the National Opal and Gemstone Museum. Ah, was it really? Yeah, and in the basement, you know those the cinema uh, walk-in safes? Yes. That's what's in the basement. Is it really? Because they used to have to put everything away. Oh, of course they would have, yes. I'm like, if he's hiding anywhere, he'd be in there. he's in the safe. Yeah. And the cop's like, no, 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 we're going to have to, you know, search the whole perimeter and, you know, like we've got to get everyone out and everything. I'm like, yeah, but he's going to be in the safe. <laughs> like, no, 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 we know what we're doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they moved everyone out, including me, and then they come back and go, actually, we need you because we don't know what he looks like. <laughs> and so all these people we're taking out, we don't know if he's the one. <laughs> so could you stand with one of us and, and say, yep, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not him, that's not him, that's not him. <laughs> so eventually over the radio here, we found him. There's a huge freaking safe down here. <laughs> well, he's in the safe. Yeah, he's in the safe. So we go out the back, go out the down to the the back room, and you can get into the safe there. And they've they've got him cuffed and they're dragging him out. Yeah, and he's in his undies still. <laughs> and as he's walking past, he's like, "That was a bit of an adventure, wasn't it, Phil?" I'm like, "Yeah, mate. That's not exactly how I'd put it." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Anyway, I'll see you on Monday." I'm like, "I don't think you will." <laughs> and he was gone. Because uh, they fired him. And, yeah, of course. And then yeah. they went, well, you've been, you know, proving yourself to be like a handy because you, you've got a bit of a theatre background so you're good at presentation and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you start training our guides and get, get that kind of presentation into them and things like that? So I started off as just the education manager but because I've been working on dinosaurs my whole life, started curating because yeah. just all the all the signage and everything needed updating. and Yeah. So I just went nuts. You know, I was in heaven. Yeah. So I did that for nearly – Fifteen years. So what? What sort of what sort of year year so period that, was I that? Probably started about two thousand. Yes, okay. and then 
finished there about 2018. Yeah, okay, cool. You know, and in and out, I, I, I was overseas a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and it was fantastic. And going back to the safety house thing, we finally found out because the next thing the cops show up with the cadaver dogs. Really? Because they're looking for that girl and oh, that murderer. Of course. And he was living right opposite. And that's oh. when we discovered why we, dis- we failed the safety house thing because he'd kidnapped kids and taken them to Western Australia. And later we found out they were his de facto kids. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. But he'd, you have to write down on the safety house forms. Do you have a criminal record? Have you ever done uh, it? Yeah, of course. That's why we failed. This guy filled out those forms oh, and the cops went, no. no. <laughs> of course. And so now they're like, and they've had this famous murder happen across the road. Yeah. So in come the cadaver dogs. They're mm. checking the house to see. It's a National oh, Dinosaur Museum. Wow. So there's fossils and bones and everything of everywhere. Co- of course, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they would pick that up. I oh, know they'd be fossilised, wouldn't they? Some of them maybe because yeah. uh, uh, especially um, – if the it's newer stuff? modern Ice Age stuff, like yeah. mammoth and stuff, they would pick we, it up. We'd get that stuff in and it smell. Yeah, because it really, it's partially fossilized. It, it takes a long time to, to fossilize. Yeah, so a lot of mammoth bone you could just smell. Yeah. It was still organic. Well, it makes sense because uh, in my experience of dealing with yep. bones, yeah. <laughs> and uh, even though they might be past the point of any sort of decomposition, you can still smell it. Yeah, it's permeated. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's the perfect word. Um, yeah. So I would say, yes, they probably could smell some stuff. Yeah, of um, course they would. But yeah, that's interesting. Th- th- those dogs are trained pretty well, so they yeah. kind of know what they're they smelling can, for. Yeah, they probably can determine. Yeah. They'd be able to determine the difference, I guess, yeah. in a way. So, and there's lots of nooks and crannies in that building, and there's actually tunnels underneath and stuff. Is so, really? yeah, so they got into everything. They were looking wow. everywhere just to make sure he wasn't. Yeah, part okay. of that. yeah, of course. And that's when we found out why we, yeah. Wow. So that's, so I was wow. running that and, uh, you know, changing girlfriends, uh, had a new girlfriend who was w- working for, um, foreign affairs. Yeah. Okay. And sure. she kept getting postings. So the first ah. posting was, uh, 2007. Yeah. And to London, she was the, going wow. to be part of the embassy in London. Yeah. Okay, which means cool. we get a free, free, Business travel, uh, they pay for our accommodation while we're there, and I'm now free to try and get a job in the London Natural History Museum. That's cool. So, That's pretty rad. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> so, so she gets that job. So we're off to London for a couple of years. So I tell the dinosaur museum, going, look, you know, I'll probably be gone for three years, but yeah, sure. In that three years, I'm going to come back with all of this. I'm, yes, I'm yeah. determined. Yeah. So I sent messages to the London Natural History Museum before I even left. Yeah. And I had an interview. Did you really? Yeah. So uh, first day we, we arrived, um, you know, it's a nearly 30-hour flight. Yep. Get off the plane. And in London, unlike most Australian cities, because it's so compact and it's so specific, if you're renting off a company, they'll pick you up and drive you around to show you all the you, – uh, you'll kind of tell, you, yeah, tell them okay. what you're looking for. Yeah, sure. And because it's such a confusing place, they know their way around. They'll drive yep. you to all these places. So we're seeing all these apartments that we were looking for. Yeah. Um. And we were driving down a street and there's a Tyrannosaur skull in the shop window. I'm the first day in, in London. <laughs> I have no kidding. idea where I am. And I just go, oh, can we stop? Wow. And and the lady's like, oh, is there something wrong? I'm like, no, 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 no. Sorry. I just need to go into that shop for a second. Yeah. So I jump out of the car, run into the shop and a guy's on the phone. And he's, yeah. you know, you know 30-something, 35-something guy and he's a cool-looking guy. And, and he's just like on the phone. He goes, oh, just hang on a sec. Oh, can I help you a sec? I'm like, oh, sorry, mate. And this is what I said. <laughs> Sorry, mate, you're on the phone. Just to let you know, I'm from the National Dinosaur Museum in, in Australia. I've just moved here. This is literally my first day. Um, 
I know everything about this. I know how to sell it because we had a really good shop. Um, I know how to sell it, how to talk about it. You know, I can, I've been working around it for the last, you know, 10 years or something. I've been working on it my whole life. I've just moved here. I don't really need a job at the moment, but you never know until you ask. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where I'm staying. I'm staying at this hotel in Elephant and Castle. Uh, this is the hotel number. Um, and the whole time he's looking at me with the worst look, like I'm, I'm a piece of dog crap on his shoe. Uh, and that's why I was babbling because I'm like, this isn't going very well. Yeah. And I was just trying to get it out going, oh, my God, so sorry, mate, you're on the phone. I can see you're really busy and everything. So if you need me, here's my number. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, bye. <laughs> and walk out of the shop. <laughs> he barely said a word. Yeah. We go look at about five locations. I get back in, we get back to the hotel and the receptionist goes, oh, you know, Mr. Hoare, message for you. <laughs> I'm like, what, a message for me? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yes, yeah, so, uh, they, they rang. They, could you ring them back? And I'm like, ring this number. Are you the guy who walked into the shop? <laughs> <laughs> so I ring this number and it's not the guy. It was the guy that was on the other line who'd was been it really? listening to all that. Oh, he heard the whole conversation. Right. Yeah, right. So he goes, so, so you know dinosaurs? Yep. Can you put a dinosaur together? Sure. <laughs> and he's wow. like, what are you doing tomorrow? Nothing. Can you get out to Kensal and Green? Yeah, no problems. Where the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right, you don't know where you are. Yeah. Where are you staying? We're staying at Elephant and Castle. Okay, so get on this tr- tube, get onto that, off this, yeah. t- get on this one, go for 45 minutes. <laughs> wow. Get off at the Kensal Green station, walk to the right, go down <laughs> three streets, you'll get to a big red door. Walk up the door, open the door next to the red door, come upstairs, and I'll see you there at nine o'clock tomorrow. Jeez Louise. I'm like, am I about to be murdered? <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a thing. <laughs> so I do it. And yeah. I find my way out there and I go up this thing, and the first thing I see is a naked woman in a shower. <laughs> and then a guy in his uh, leopard skin jocks walking around, and I'm like, Oh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I really I, I fell for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to be murdered. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, oh, just you know, just go sit on the couch over there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so she shield my eyes and I go sit down and they show up and they're going, okay, so we've got this dinosaur about to show up. Yeah. It's a Gorgosaurus, which is a type of Tyrannosaur, like a, okay. s- a small one. So ah, rightio. Tyrannosaur cool. is about 40 feet. This thing's about 30 feet. Oh, okay, sure. It's not, the, it's not a real dinosaur. It's a cast coming from a, a company called Black Hills Institute in Canada. Who, okay. Who, uh, sorry, the Black Hills in Dakota. Yeah. And I've worked – I know how to put those dinosaurs together. They come in a special way. Yeah, sure. So I put it together and I oh, put it together you? because That's they've cool. got – they want to take photos of it because they're about to take this dinosaur to a home, home, uh, 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 you know, furniture yeah, show sure. in Dubai. In Dubai. And they're going to try and sell this 30,000-pound, wow. 90,000-pound dinosaur to the Arabs. Wow. So they need good photos of it and they've got yeah. one of the, the best rock photographers – and this is an important point. Yes. One of the uh, London's best rock photographers, like basically Rolling Stone photographer. Oh, right. Ro- like in as in like rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll. Oh, to okay. take photos of it. Yeah, wow. I'm thinking like mineral yeah, rock. Yeah, and that's why I went, no, no. Because <laughs> okay. there's a reason for that. <laughs> okay. Because then I put it together. The guy takes photos. We put it back in its box. Yeah. Um, the guy who I'd been talking to in the shop shows up. Yeah. Uh, and they, they take us all out to a drink for a good a job. So, you know, this is, this is, go, this is a great day. This is great. I'm going to put it together well. and put it, yeah. pull it apart. Yeah. And I'm talking to this guy and the, the owner goes to get us some drinks. I'm just with the guy who'd been on the phone looking at me weird. <laughs> and he goes, you're probably wondering why I was looking at you weird. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think it was going too well. And he's like, I'm not fucking kidding. This is the conversation I was having. 
I was talking to Dale, the owner. Yeah. Oh, we've got that fucking dinosaur showing up tomorrow. Do you know how to put a dinosaur together? I don't know how to put a dinosaur together. Do we know anybody knows how to put a dinosaur <laughs> oh, together? No way. We need somebody to come in and help us with this freaking dinosaur. And then the guy in the shop, the guy looking at me funny, goes, by the way, I have to say we need some help because this keeps happening. So we need somebody, a house husband or something, somebody who doesn't need a lot of hours. An Australian would be good. They work hard. <laughs> ding, ding, I walked in. No way. So he thought he'd been set up by the owner oh. that he'd set this whole thing up. And he's kind of going, you're saying the exact same shit to me we just conversation we just had. <laughs> and he's like, that's insane. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> Holy smokes. You wouldn't read about it, No, eh? but – and they're the things I call movie moments. That, yes. that shit only happens yep. in the movies. Yeah. That, that's my life. That wow. keeps happening. Does it really? Yeah, yeah. That is a cool story. Yeah, because that company then took me to Dubai. Did when they, they really? set it up. So we, we set it oh, up. Oh, I suppose they would. So they're on Pim- now I know they're on Pimlico Road. So whenever you see uh, shots of uh, the soccer wives, all the, yes. the, the the wives of the soccer guys, so the really rich women and all those boutique shops, yeah. they go walking like, oh, in Chelsea. Yeah, that's Pimlico Road. That was the sh- the road we were on. That's the road that shop was in with the yeah, T Rex okay. skull. Yeah. So this is really high quality. I was working th- for the, for a while, um, yeah, because I just come in occasionally and watch the shop or whatever. Yeah, or with, during special events. So we put up that dinosaur when they wanted to introduce it to everyone, and they got all their special guys in, and I was just to dress up in my. I luckily took my National Dinosaur Museum, which is very Steve Irwin-like. <laughs> yes. So here's this Australian looking like Steve Irwin going, hey, he's a mighty dinosaur. <laughs> Look at them teeth. Oh, it's bloody great, isn't it? Oh, it's true. And then just tell them the actual stuff in yeah. your normal voice. Um, and a guy came up to me and chatted to me a while and after a while I'm getting a bit suspicious going, well, he's asking me some very probing questions. Really? David Attenborough's producer. Oh, no way. Was it really? Going, yeah, going, Look, you're pretty good at this. Yeah. Have you ever thought of being on front of camera for documentaries? Yeah. I'm like, Hell yeah. And so I almost got in a Did you really? Got, yeah, it went so close. Uh, um But then yeah, so then they eventually put it back in the box, took it to Dubai, and they yep. took me to Dubai. Wow. And I just had to stand in front of this thing for a week in Dubai, which is the w- wildest time of my life. Is it really? Oh, it's that yeah. place is insane. Just trying to sell this thing. Anybody walked up. Yeah, you know, so you'd have all the the women in their burkas. Oh yeah, up and of you course don't you would. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the and oh, the, you know, I went through the you know, this is the, the the show where they have all the gold utensils and stuff. So if you need your oh. gold utensils for your mansion, you had to go to this guy. Yeah, okay. if you need the the the, the um, iguana skin toilet seat <laughs> cover, yeah. you know, that's the next guy. It's just oh, wow. that's the crazy. That stuff. would have been phenomenal seeing all that stuff too. It, eh? yeah. it would have been an eye opener itself. And then at the end of that, they had a big dinner for everyone out in the desert. So I'm yeah. out in the desert with these two English guys <laughs> holding a, 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 um, a eagle on my arm, oh, and they're no. going around and putting it around, getting my photo taken, going. What, what am I doing here? <laughs> this is insane. Well, I'm in the middle of a desert in Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> trying to sell a dinosaur. Yeah. And, and it's pretty crazy. And that was all it? off the first day. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a real crazy story. Yep. That's amazing. And 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 it just got weirder from there. Did so, it really? Yeah, I got a job at the London Natural History Museum. I met David Attenborough twice there. Did you? How was that? Oh, just crazy. Was he's, it? He's amazing. Yeah. And, and in fact, I I I, I don't fanboy much. Yeah. Oh, that's not true. I fanboy all the time. But there's a photo somebody took because I wrote there's a there's a US magazine called the Prehistoric Times. So I've been okay. the, the staff writer for that for 20 years. Oh, have you really? Yeah. So I do two issues and two articles each issue four times a year. Oh wow. Um, so I was giving giving him an issue, going, "This is because of you." 
Oh, really? I broke my leg when I was a kid. Yeah. Same bloody leg. And my dad used to come home at, like after work and he'd wheel the TV into my room because it was a pretty bad break. Yeah. And we sit there watching the latest David Attenborough thing on ABC. Oh, on that's cool. And so I'm telling him this guy, you know, so I, I now do this because of you. Because of you, yeah. You know, so I'm handing that over and somebody took that photo. Oh. And it's me like fanboying like, <laughs> this is for you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty surreal moment too. It is. But it's that's pretty crazy. cool. And yeah. that's um, you know, no, uh, David Attenborough. He's like the goat <laughs> of that sort of world, isn't he? And and as I said, this stuff keeps happening to me because the guy who was on the phone talking to me, who told me that story, yep. is an eighties pop star. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the the most played song in America yes. is "I Melt from You" by Modern English, and it's in a lot of eighties movies, especially the you know girl meets yeah. guy breakup. "I Melt for You" is a famous song. Yeah. Um, Never heard it because it never really charted in Australia. Cole's a muso, so yeah, he's he's sitting there going, "Yeah, mate, yeah." yeah. yeah. Well, he's the guitarist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wow. Um, so like, and because and like, he's pretty much my best friend now because I didn't give a shit. Yeah, know? of course. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd never heard it, and yeah. so Americans had come into the shop and like, "Oh, do you guys like a melt with you? You should go over and talk to that guy." <laughs> I keep dumping him in it. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, so he now owns – he now lives in um, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Oh, okay, cool. No, no, Texas. What's the weird place in Texas? Um, uh, Like um, there's – It's the place everybody's going to at the moment. Anyway. It's uh, Austin. Austin. Austin, Texas, yeah. So he lives in Austin now. He runs a shop called Modern Modern Rocks. Yeah. And it's – he knows all those rock photographers, oh, and what he gets okay. is the B-roll. Like so, when the, like the famous photo of the kid on the Nirvana album, jumping yeah, into yeah, the pool, yeah, in the pool, he's got the rest of the roll. Oh wow! And so that's he gets cool. special prints made up and signed prints, and and you know he'll get the proper shot too. Yes, that'll cost a bit more. Yeah, because he knows them all, and oh, so wow. he's got this amazing industry at the moment going, and he's in the person Austin's. The, wow. Yeah. Well, it's thriving. Yeah. Everyone. Um, yeah. So you know. So that's a, cool. A, and I hadn't been to America before then. And mm. so I've, I then end up living in America for five years. Yeah. Heard that fucking song everywhere. <laughs> it was Muzak. It was the, um, yes. it was uh, uh, the Hungry Jacks, the um, uh, oh, Burger yeah. King song. Yeah, really? It was the Hershey's Chocolate song. It, it was everywhere. Well, just I couldn't get, get away from that bloody song. <laughs> just getting the royalties off that. Off that yeah. That would have been At, pretty. They actually run it, won a what? It's the most played song in America. That's amazing. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know that. Yeah. That's so. good to know. It's a good – you learn something new every day, don't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. Um, so that's what happens there. And, you know, like things were happening like um, – because uh, I, I, I took a job at the, the Nat- Natural History Museum in London mm-hmm. in the fish department. I don't know anything about fish. How did you score that wrong? Don't eat fish because <laughs> yeah. I contacted them all and because I was getting – you know, I had, you know, by that time 10 years working in the Natural yeah, History okay. Museum. And I was willing to do anything. And oh, they can't get because the fish department smells. <laughs> and you're oh, yeah. using with all – you must know that embalming fluids and all that yes. stuff. Um, and it's – in science, a type specimen is if, say, um, Captain Cook caught mm. a fish in Botany Bay, put it in a jar, took it back to London. The, the, the fish guy in London looked at it and went, well, that's a new species and we're going to call that – you know, Biblicus Australis. Uh, yes, okay. That first specimen is the type specimen, and all specimens and descriptions after that must be based on that one specimen. Because uh, if they find any differences, 
you've got a subspecies or a different type of fish. Ah, uh, okay, sure. So you have to go off that. So London is, you know, the British had so much of the world, almost all of the world's type specimens are in the London Natural History Museum. That's crazy. So I just took it going, well, I, I know once you get into a place, once you're in, you can work your way through and get yes. to where you want to oh, be. Oh, of course. Well, that makes sense. Yes, definitely. But it turned out to be the coolest thing I've ever done. Really? I, like, you know, one of my jobs was people working on fish. A German scientist is working on a fish from Tanzania needs the type specimen of this fish from this lake. I'm the one who has to take it out of its bottle jar, put it in a special thing, mail it away. Eventually it comes back because he needs that specimen to explore, to investigate. It'll then come back and I've got to put it back in its, uh, in, in its yeah, correct sure. thing. Yep. A fish came back. I grabbed the jar, looked at it and went, this is the most disgusting, <laughs> dirty old jar ever. I went to my boss and went, oh, should I clean this? And he's like, you haven't read the label, have you? H.M. Beagle, <laughs> Darwin, <laughs> oh, 1831. No. You're kidding. And I'm holding a fish in my hand going, Charles Darwin caught this fish. <laughs> oh, wow. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Then my asshole of a boss, in, and I'm telling him this in, the, in his office, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you're Australian, you like this. And at his desk he just grabs a jar and goes, there you go, H.M. Endeavour, Banks. So he's handing me a fish that was called On the Cook Voyage on his desk. (laughs) Wow. I'm just like, they have so much history. Yeah, they don't even care. They don't care. That would be a a display in any museum in Australia and be like this iconic thing. It would be. He's just handed it to me off his desk. Just sitting there, just sitting around. (laughs) I'm like, this thing's older than my country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's crazy. So then uh, 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 after a couple of months I had to do some work in their um, dry storage area and like yeah, the sure. dried fish and so I'm, I'm pulling out all these old boxes with all these fish with uh they've been dried out by specimens and their labels and just writing them down he comes in to see me and i'm sitting there and i'm listening to an audiobook and i'm like i've just i've got this audiobook from about the london natural history museum it's called dry storeroom number one and it's all the weird stories that used to happen in the natural history museum uh, like a guy that uh eventually died in his office he died yeah. after 60 years holding his chair in the national and they went into his room to find out what he'd been doing and all he'd been doing is collecting the pubic hair that he'd been finding all over <laughs> the building. Oh, and he had it categorised by colour, date, time and all his pubic Holy That's shit. all he'd done. Like he's some specific scientist like a mammalologist or, you know, like a yeah. bat guy or something. Was it, Hadn't was done it any work on bats. <laughs> all he'd been doing is categorising. <laughs> and when he died they just went through this massive office going, what bit- the hell? <laughs> It's the so, pube perpetrator. So I'm, yeah, so I'm telling him this and he's like, do you have any idea what room we're in? We're in dry storeroom number one. You're so we're in the room where the, all these stories are, are told about. Oh, okay. as a, and then the next fish I pull out, Africa, uh, Dr. Livingston. <laughs> like, wow. I hate this place. <laughs> There's just so much history here. Wow. Yeah, so it was just weird. That would have been. I guess it's probably one cool thing is that you would have never have come across the same thing each day. It would have been something no. new all the time. And and London's such a cool place that you get to go out and explore the place. And so I was just well, London itself off, especially is as a historian. A, London itself is a history. Yeah. And history, that's what I tell people. It's such a weird place to walk down and stub your toe on a cobblestone that's older than Australia. Isn't you it? Know, like the, you know, it's just a crazy place. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I just got into so much stuff there. Uh, and you know what? It probably so have to do my head in. <laughs> well, <laughs> trying to it, trying to absorb it like yeah. it would, wouldn't it? Like especially if you're a person who appreciates that sort of stuff. Yep. If you're cruising, if you're cruising along and 
you don't really care. Like you're just there because you're there. Yep. You'd be fine. But if I'm sitting there, like, because I, 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 like, you know, I'm a bit of a, I got a soft spot, for, especially for like architecture and buildings yep. and, you know, I appreciate that sort of history stuff. So I, I'd be sitting there going, huh, huh. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't know where to look, and, I wouldn't know and, and, what and I'm so, walking so, on. And so when you see, uh, the British House of Parliament with Big mm. Ben. Yeah. And you have the, the Thames in front of it. Yeah. When you look on this side, like on the left-hand side, yeah. you'll see there's a garden there, like a big park. Yes. The roundabout at the end of the park, that building is MI5. And we yeah. lived on the other side of that. Did you really? So we lived right there. Wow. So I'd be coming home at night and there's a guy with a MP5 walking down the street because <laughs> <laughs> it's MI5. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just a weird – you know, and wow. directly across our uh, our apartment was an old cemetery which they've taken all the gravestones out and put them along the wall because really? it's that old. Wow. Um, and they made it into a kid's park. Oh, <laughs> that's, and everything. that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that's when I started to realise, like, we're actually incredibly lucky in many ways in Australia because imagine living in Greece or yes. Rome and every time you go to – dig a hole to put a tree in, mm-hmm. you're going to hit something from the Roman antiquities yes. and they're going to have to stop and they're going to have to come in and check everything. Yeah. They're so tied to their history of course. that they're, they're strangling their future because they can't grow. They can't re-renovate. Be- they can't do anything. They need an earthquake to come and knock everything down so makes they can sense. literally start again. Otherwise, they're just trapped by their history. It makes sense and you make you think too like how many of people wouldn't even tell anyone that something that they found something or come across. Happens a lot. Spe- yeah, I was going to imagine. They'd, they'd, because it would be more of a headache. Yeah, and that happens. Australian paleontology is, is you know, there's lots of mines out there, lots of miners and they're finding yeah. stuff and they've learnt smash it move on. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, there's a famous case where a, a mine down in South, South Australia found this amazing skull or you know, yes. some fossil. They stopped, they called in the local paleontologist, they came in, they took a couple of weeks to get it out, they then took it away, they then wrote the paper, uh, released it to the world, never mentioned the mining company. Huh. And the mining yeah. company went, well, why would we ever stop again? You, you yeah, know, of treat course. Treat us like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, yeah. 100%. So, and, uh, and it's unfortunate that's the way it goes, but that's what, you know. It is. From a business you know, point can, of view, you can see why understand. they would. Yeah, you know, that's pretty, uh, pretty unfortunate. Yeah. How, long, how long did you end up doing the um, – how long were you in London for? Uh, we were supposed to be there for three years. Um, then uh, Kevin 07. Oh, yeah. So I was there for Kevin 07. Yeah. So I worked at the Australian Embassy, which is the biggest polling booth in the world for any politics. Is it really? Yeah, because there's over like a million and a half Australians live in London. Ah, of course. And they've got to go vote and they all want to oh, go to course. the embassy. So they yeah, have to go to Australia course. House so yeah. they convert a room so you can actually go into the embassy and vote. And it's so big it goes for nearly a week. Does it really? Yeah, so I was uh, hired to do that. Um, and that room, if you watch mm. Harry Potter, yes, uh, they go to Gringotts Bank. Yes. They rent that room out for movies because that's the room. Is it really? Yeah, so I keep – because it's got these iconic big black circles, like uh, marble circles on the ground. Yes. And I was watching X-Men uh, Future Days or something, one of the X-Men movies. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the <laughs> <Australian> <laughs> house. Uh, so, yeah. Like I'm going to go back and watch the Harry Potter bit yeah, now because so that would have been in the first one, wouldn't it? I think yeah, he went to the yeah, bank. Yeah, the first one when he get goes it, to Gringotts Bank. Yeah, he gets um, uh, when he gets yeah, money. See so if he's got money. Parents' money. Yeah. Uh, that is the embassy. So you go to go, ah, get to go into that room to That's vote. cool. Uh, so, yeah, so unfortunately Kevin 07, he took over and then cancelled the last 30 
to, to money save, can, uh, cancel the last 30 uh, foreign affairs appointments, uh, which was us. Okay. So we were supposed to be there for three years. We got cancelled after six. We managed to keep it out for about a year. Yeah, sure. Then we had to come back. But yeah. coming back, mm-hmm. uh, my partner at the time got so much sympathy from foreign affairs. Really? That they kind of went, well, this is terrible. And you've done all, you've packed all your stuff away and you're supposed to be for three years. You only got this. So the next appointment that comes up that you're available for, yeah, we'll put you at the head of the list, which was Washington, D.C. No way. <laughs> and we got it within six months. So we Did came really? back, had to live in a hotel for uh, six months in Canberra. <laughs> and then all our stuff was left in storage. Yeah. And I still haven't seen my stuff in storage. I'm, <laughs> really? I'm, I'm driving down in uh, end of November to pick it up finally. You're kidding. Because uh, we just kept going overseas. Oh, okay, sure. So we were in this thing for six months and then went over to DC. We were there for three and a bit years. How was that? Uh, weird. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. DC's strange. Is it really? Uh, if you know anything about um, American politics and, and Trump, well, drain the swamp. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. they call DC the swamp. Yeah. Why? Because it's a freaking swamp. <laughs> yeah, pretty straightforward. And one of the things people don't know is – the American Revolution was not fought over stamps, uh, like yeah. tax, which is what, you know, they try to tax us. No, it was over land mm. because the these land companies kept going into Ohio, which is basically the middle part of America at the time, out of 13 colonies. They'd go up to the local tribes and go, oh, can we buy this land? Yeah. And Ohio wasn't owned by any tribes. It was owned by 13 tribes. Uh-huh. And so they'd go, yeah, it's not ours. Sure, give us the money. The other 12 uh, are probably going to kill you. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. And so they take the money and they th- think they'd own this land, so they'd parcel it up, put farms there. The other 12 tribes would come and go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> What's going on here? Kill them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the British were spending a huge amount of money on policing that area and th- that's what they got sick of and that's why they did start to tax. Uh, but those land companies kept sneaking this in and one of them was owned by a guy called George Washington. Uh, and when he gets voted pro- the first president, they're trying to find out where they're going to put the um, – the, 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 the capital. Capital, yep. And he owns, and this is the true name of the place, he owns the abysmal swamp. <laughs> and for some reason, nobody seems to want to buy the abysmal swamp. Uh. And so he's like, I know where we can put the capital and you can buy it <laughs> off me. At an absorbent price. <laughs> Washington, D.C. is built on the abysmal swamp. Your kid, so that's okay. I've cool. never seen more mosquitoes in my life. Is it really? Yeah, summer I'd go out and we had a nice little uh, uh, green patch behind our, our house so that you go for a little walk, like a nature walk. At the certain time of year, every single leaf had a tiger mosquito about the size of your finger. You're kidding. Underneath it. That's how many mis- – it's the swamp. Jeez always. It, so, it, it literally is yeah, the it's, swamp. It's the weirdest place. Wow. Um, yeah, it's hot, it's humid, it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird place. What, um, did you, what did you do while you are there, did you? So knowing what I know, yeah. we're going to D.C., so I contact uh, the Smithsonian <laughs> and nice. go, look, I now have National Dinosaur Museum – uh, by this time, I'd worked at the Australian War Memorial a bit, yes, um, and a couple other places, uh, Questacon. Oh, cool! Um, and I've got the London Natural History Museum on the CV. Yes, so they're like, "Come in and have a chat. We'll see what we can find." And so I get in a special program yeah. for paleontology, and you've got to do the ten-week program. And when you end it, you'll have a certain, and they'll teach it all bits. So one might be about. Um, uh, the, the the actual uh, preparing fossils. Oh, yeah, sure. One might be about the education and talking yeah, to kids. Sure. And so you just go through every day you do something different. 
Um, and you might like this because we got to talk about to the guy. Do you know the show Bones? Yes. Yeah. So the Jeffersonian. Yes. Yeah. Which is 100% based on the guy who starts the FBI at the Smithsonian and he was our teacher. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. So he took us through all the forensics part wow. of the, the forensic side of the Smithsonian. Yeah. And he was the, – the FBI would call him in and go out and kind of worked out all these forensic things. Yeah. And – because I'm coming from a paleontology background, I was talking to him one day and I went, so is there any difference? Like if you're looking at American bones or Australian bones or anything, can yeah. you tell the difference? And he went, absolutely. I can always pick an American skeleton. If you put a whole bunch of skeletons on a table, yeah. pick the American skeleton instantly. Really? Yeah. I'm like, why? He's yeah. like, because they're yellow. <laughs> really? Like, because they eat so much corn. Is it really? It, it actually literally changed the it, the bone it, structure, the color of their bone. It actually stains the bone because corn is their the, staple. The, well, they it, it's their political crop because it is. Yeah, you know anybody who tries to stop the corn subsidies is not going to get voted in because they're such a powerful lobby. Yes, and so corn is you know the high corn fructose syrup yeah. in their coke. Yes, it's in their bread. It's in their milk. It's in everything yes and so they, they, they they're not aware just how much corn and when you when you go to the shop and you just buy the corn uh you buy some chicken meat yes the chicken meat is yellow it's orange yes because they feed the chicken so much corn yeah they don't have a pink flesh now they've got an orange flesh wow and he's saying they've got they eat so much corn it's stained their bones wow so i can always pick an american skeleton that's crazy there now i i've got it's an old wives' tale, but and I can sometimes see it myself. But they reckon that when people ingest high amounts of antibiotics over a long period of time, it does change the color of their bones too. Well, there's lots of things like that. Yeah, um, which I sort of I can't. I'm not too sure because I don't know when I'm looking at it sometimes. But because because the the bones have been incinerated, I'm dealing with after the effect, yeah. not. Not not a, not a raw bone, so I yep. couldn't tell a hundred percent. But sometimes I can sort of see a, di- a color variation in the in the bone after even after the incineration has taken place, which which makes sense because yeah. any any mineral burns at a different color. So, yes, you know you know that's why fireworks. Yeah, true. Yeah, so that makes perfect sense. Yes, and um, while I was in DC, they actually released a report saying we don't want anybody to drink tap water for the next month. Really. And you've got to buy bottled water. Really? Because so many people in America are on so many drugs and they all piss those drugs out their system and that yeah. goes into the water system. Oh. So the water system, boys were starting to grow breasts because there was so much estrogen and stuff in the water. Yeah. So And it got to such a point that they went, okay, everybody's just stop drinking the water for a month. We're wow. going to try and clear this out. Holy Because <laughs> they suddenly realised what was going on. It was in the water supply. Wow, oh, it's it's phenomenal, isn't it? It's and I tell people like I've I've, I've been in and out of America for seven yeah. years. It's a great place. Americans are lovely people. Yeah, I've never lived there. Really, none of it makes sense. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I did a tooth while I was there, and uh, yeah. I went I went to uh, to the dentist, and they gave me the bill, and then you give your bill to your insurance, American insurance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. They don't have insurance. Yeah, it's a funny it's a funny setup, isn't it? Well, what it is is you get the bill and the bill will be the maximum amount. So say it's $10,000. Yeah. 
and you give that to your insurance company whose lawyer then contacts them and go, yeah, we're not spending $10,000, mate. We'll give you $100. Yeah. And then they'll go, oh, how about 800 And <laughs> they'll start to negotiate, negotiate and they'll come down to a price. Wow. And they'll go, okay, we'll pay that. Yeah. That's not insurance. That's a lawyer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've missed the point of insurance. Yeah, that's right. But that's their insurance system. It's no wonder the whole thing's broken. And I'm yeah. telling them about Australian insurance. They're like, what do you mean? Like, you know, you give it to the insurance company and then that's it. <laughs> they pay. <laughs> that's like, part of it. That's what the insurance is. That's why you're giving them money. They're yeah. taking the gamble that you're not going to do this, but if you do, you get the payout. It's a gamble. It's, uh, it's a fascinating thing. Ameri- like uh, it's always – you hear – when you speak to people, they always say that they on their bucket list they want to do a trip to America. Yeah. Like, you know, the way that it's publicised. Um, even with my family, like we we do want to do a trip to America, um, but you know, like what I know, I probably wouldn't go to the sort of. I'd love to go and see sort of some of that like the raw side of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, go and see the bit different things. Go maybe like New Orleans or you know, oh. like you you hear all these other you know you hear these other places like oh I want to go to Vegas and oh, but that stuff doesn't really worry me too, it doesn't really phase me too much it's a bit too modern I like the old, more old school stuff well Vegas is a good example of what America is like yes so we got trapped in Vegas we 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 flew into Vegas rented a car then did, what we'd do is just then because we're Australians we'd drive yeah. you know you just do a huge you know yeah. three day several hundred kilometer drive and just see a whole bunch of stuff yeah um and then pull it back into Vegas, drop off the car, get back on the plane, fly home. Yeah. So we pull into Vegas just as snowmageddon hits. Oh, really? So Washington, D.C. has the heaviest snow drop it's ever had in its, its existence. Oh, really? And we can't fly in. There's no flights in. So we get trapped in Vegas for about a week. Ah, uh, okay. That's when you start to see what Vegas is like. Yeah. Because – the first days you're walking around all the lights and all the fireworks and oh, look at that great. building and there's Caesar's Palace and everything and you're looking up going, oh, palm trees, oh, it's so wonderful. By the fifth day you've seen all that and you're looking at the ground and that's when you start seeing the rats running over your feet. Oh. And it's just rats everywhere. And oh. you don't notice them when you're first there because you're looking at the lights. Yeah. Did you? No, no I'm good. Um, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are just rats all over the place and that's kind of what America's like. like yeah. I know that like New York's renowned for it. Like they, they even got and I, I, I shouldn't just say rats, but like no, yeah, just everything. In if general. you're there for a long time, you start to see that there's cracks in that sidewalk, and there's yeah. you know, like you start. They don't spend a lot of money fixing things anymore because yeah, I've heard politically that. that's not going to get you any yeah. votes. Yeah, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so the infrastructure of America is starting to crumble, and. The more you're there, the more you start to see. Like it's a fantastic place, and yeah, you know, it's a fantastic. Great is a ho- great for a holiday, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, couldn't live there. Whereabouts? Um, so, how long were you there for? Sorry, so I was in DC for three and a bit years, and yeah. then later on went back and went up to uh, um, uh, uh, Chicago. So I was in Chicago. For oh, wow, years. yeah. What was that like up at Chicago? Love Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is amazing, and Chicago yes. is the most London. Like city in is America. It? Okay, right. Yeah. So if you love your buildings and your architecture yes. and stuff like that, the difference is London, it's all crammed together in a small space. So yes. you get to see the face of a building and it's an amazing building, but you never see it from the side or the back or anything. Yeah. Chicago, they've left the space between them. So that's cool. One of the big tours you do there is the architecture tour. So you get on a boat and they just take you down the rivers and everything. Hey, that's cool. And you just cool. see all the buildings around you. Yes. And you get to see them from all angles and stuff. Yep. And of course, they had, um, 
you know, that's where the um, Chicago mob was, you know. And so you get to go do that tour and you go to all the cool. speakeasies and things like that, yeah. the things that exist. So it's an amazing bit, uh, town and Australians never go. Yeah, I wonder why. Because when you fly, you fly from Australia, yeah. you fly into LA yes. or Hawaii and then if you're getting on another flight, you're going to New York or maybe to Florida where Disney is. Of course. You got, Australians have no reason to go to Chicago. It's not. A, it's it's it's. Makes a, sense. Yeah. You have to have a reason to go there to go, and generally they don't know there's a reason to go. I'd love to see if they had any sort of history behind the. Well, you know, they're Detroit or whatever. Is, is it is it Detroit? How does it work with the uh, with the with with the car manufacturing and everything? Like yeah. That? So that was mostly Detroit. Mostly which Detroit. Is now mostly gone. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a. It's gone. Is it? Yeah. Detroit. No, that's a shame. Detroit is if you've ever watched um, <laughs> uh, RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, I love Robo. I love in Detroit. I'll be I look, this is an exclusive for the listeners. I am actually a mad RoboCop fan. I used to grow up listening. I love RoboCop. I love Terminator. <laughs> it's a mad, mad fan. Um, mad fan. So it's it's now like that. It's is it really crumbling? Oh, like um, wow. um, it's and especially uh, like Flint, Michigan, because it's all around Michigan. Yep. Uh, that's the place where you turn your water on and if you put a lighter next to it, it catches fire. Shit. Yeah, it's like not good things are happening there and parts of Chicago are the same. Yeah. And again, weird things happen. So uh, I'm in Chicago and the Australian Embassy, because there's not many Australians there, Yeah. Uh, one of the first things that shows up is um, Sam Kerr. Oh, okay. The soccer player. The, yeah, yeah. the world's greatest female soccer player. Yeah, sure. Gets hired. She plays a season for Chicago. So oh, yeah. her first game for the Chicago Stars or whatever they were called, uh, they said, all Australians, come out to the game. You know, Sam Kerr's yeah. first game. We're going to get a lot of Australians there, show us support. And so there was huge amounts of Australians in this, uh, you know, most of them live there now. Yeah. And I'm sitting next to this weird guy. <laughs> he's got this weird hat on and he's just really weird. Like it's just weird's the word. And he's just sketching the whole time. He's just asking me weird questions and he's sketching yeah. away and – and he's like, oh, so you live, you know. Um, now, have you seen uh, um, Blues Brothers? Mm. So the end scene of Blues Brothers is they've got to get up the to building to pay the tax yep. from the orphanage. And all the cops show up in that big open area that's called Daly Plaza. Yes. That was my backyard. I lived there. Did you really? Yeah, I lived literally on the building that faces into that square. You're kidding me. And there's a giant statue. It's called the Picasso armadillo yeah because it looks like an armadillo <laughs> so he's asking me oh, i'll live near that and that and then he hands me this drawing and that's what he's been drawing the whole time and it's the biography of everything i've just described and there's the armadillo in it and the, wow yeah it's the weirdest thing and he's like don't throw that away that'll be worth a lot of money and i'm like okay crazy man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then somebody comes up from the embassy and goes do you know who you're talking to i'm like no idea yeah and he's like that's george ghettos i'm like <laughs> it's george ghettos yeah so he's He's won the Archibald Prize. Oh, for, are you kidding? Like he's a painter and everything. Yeah. Very famous guy. And he's in Chicago because he's also a documentary maker. And he's he's embedded himself in one of the gangs because Chicago's got one of the worst gangland yeah, sure. deaths. And this gang, there's two gangs and they live on either end of the street. So they can never go to the other end of the street. Yep. He started with all interviewing all the members of the gang because he was there because a very famous model – uh, got out of that gang and she became a world-famous oh. model, came back to town, just happened to walk into a birthday party and got shot. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, right. So, so there's wow. a story behind the story. Yeah. And 
he's been in with them for a couple of years and now all of the gang, the original gang, are dead. Wow. And it's their brothers who are now in the gang oh, okay. looking to revenge the death of their – it's this weird cycle. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm talking to him like, you know, uh, so I started talking to him a lot more um, and I bumped into him again and he's telling me the story about the, 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 the documentary and he's like, oh, you work at the Dinosaur Museum in town. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, do you reckon you could do a tour with the kids? Really? All these the, – the, the younger brothers yeah. of this oh, gang because okay. they haven't got in the system yet. Yeah, they're still innocent. And they've never been. I'm like, what do you mean they've never been? It's five minutes away. I'm like, but they can't get to the train station because that's on the other side of the street. Oh, you, of So course. it's going to be like aliens going wow. through a different world that is yeah. their own hometown. So I'm like, oh, yeah. So I, I, I went to the, um, the, the uh, field museum and went, look, this is what's happening. Can we film? And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put on a couple other things. We'll give them lunch. And, wow. and so I've got all this stuff. And being Australians, like they were the loveliest kids. Mm. They were little rat bags. Yeah, yeah, of course. But they were great little rat bags. Yeah. And so, you know, I gave them all a name. Like, oh, when you're Australian, you get, you get your nickname. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're yeah. mouthy. And you're, you know, and I just gave them more names. You're troublemaker. <laughs> and, you're, <laughs> and so, and I just kept those names the whole way through the, the, the tour and everything. And, they, yeah. you know, I've got a photo, you know, selfie with them. And they're just grinning ear to ear. Oh, and they were just like cool. freaking out seeing all these dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah. So the, the documentary is now on ABC. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. And so I was going to watch it going, oh, I wonder if I'm in it. And then I actually got an email from him going, oh, just so you know, we had to cut that bit. Because oh. one of the kids, I think one of the kids got killed. Oh, really? And the family wouldn't give us permission to use his oh, footage. So we had to cut that whole bit. Oh. Like, oh, no, which one? Oh, don't tell me Troublemaker got killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but so yeah, sad. so you can watch that documentary. Um, yeah. And he's contacting me because he's now, and this is about a year ago, yeah, sure. Up in Cape Town looking for thylacines. Is he real? Oh, he's, he's hunting for them. Yeah, so there's so much hard evidence of thylacines still being around Cape, Cape York, I should say. Yeah, okay. Um, that a couple of Queensland universities have been up there looking. That's yep. how strong the information is. And he's up there filming a documentary. So I keep sending him information yeah. when I find it. From what I've been listening to on other podcasts and stuff like that, there was supposedly – um, sightings and stuff overseas in some in one of the sort of um, Asian countries, Indonesia or somewhere uh, close over there, sort of close to Australia. Well, there's a thing called the uh, Wallace Line. So yeah. the Wallace Line. So um, uh, Charles Charles Darwin writes Origin of the Species. Yeah, basically proving evolution. Yeah. At the same time, a guy called Wallace was in Indonesia and came to the exact same conclusion. He just wrote it in a little memo. He just uh, had this brief idea, sent it into the British uh, uh, Natural History Museum, who somebody there showed it to Darwin going, oh, you know that book you've been working on for 10 years? <laughs> this guy beat you to it. <laughs> oh, no. And he's like, oh, you're joking. So he kind of does a bit of a dick move. Yeah, going, okay. But it's just a memo and I've got the book. So uh, don't, don't release that memo yeah. until my book's ready and we'll release them both at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so okay. officially they both come in. Anyway, yeah. so Wallace has noticed that there's a line of demarcation that in Indonesia above the Wallace line is Asian animals and below the Wallace line is Australasian animals. Yeah, sure. So it's very possible. Yeah. And, and one of the things I talk about uh, when I was at the London Natural History Museum, I found the head vertebrate paleontologist because I knew – a mammoth had been found in Australia. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mammoths have not lived in Australia. But yeah. a fossil 
mammoth was found in Australia and it's in the London Natural History Museum. Huh. So of course there would like, be. Mate, we've got to find this. These fossils are in here somewhere. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, you're talking about the fossils from the Wellington Caves, <laughs> which were claimed to be mammoths. Yeah. But then they got to the London Natural History Museum and they went, oh, that's not a mammoth. That's a giant yeah. wombat and that's a giant kangaroo. Yeah. And they're all the Australian megafauna. Is that what you're talking about? I'm like, no. Because at the same time, there was a guy called Strzelecki, which is the Strzelecki Ranges are named after, and he's the guy named Mount Kosciuszko. Yeah. He comes out of Bathurst with this tooth going, oh, you found those? I found this. And that tooth is here, and that tooth is supposed to be a mammoth tooth. Ah. And here's a drawing of it. I found a drawing that was drawn at the time. Yeah. And so we looked into it, and during the Second World War, the Germans during the Blitz. Yeah. What's the one part of the London Natural History Museum that got bombed? That part. The Australian section. Oh, of course it did. That fossil tooth is gone. Oh. But he looked at the drawing and went, that definitely does look like a mammoth. Yeah. But I went, but that's not the only one. Because sure. another group were found up at the Darling Downs just near here. Okay. And so I get an email from him going, come into my office. And I come in and there's the fossils he found them. Yeah. And he went, that's elephant. There's, really? there's no doubt whatsoever that is elephant. Wow. So yeah, mammoths and things were living in Indonesia and they didn't have to get to Australia. They had to get to Papua New Guinea because during the Ice Age, there ocean been, levels were lower. You could Land walk. Bridge? Yeah, you could yeah. walk, which is why there's cassowaries. Yeah, of course. In, yeah. And also the giant echidna. Uh, okay. People don't know there's a giant echidna still alive today. Is it really? Only lives in Papua New Guinea that. and only lives on one or two mountains in Papua New Guinea. It's about five times the size of our echidna. It's it really? a sheep-sized echidna. Wow. And there's photos of people holding them like <laughs> it's a lot hairier than our echidna. It's yeah. the rarest mammal on the planet. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, wow. Their scientific name is Zagalusis. Okay. Um, so that's how they got there because they don't swim. <laughs> they walk of there course, and then yeah, got trapped there. Because yeah. we do – and one of my favourite stories is uh, – um, about two years ago at the London Natural History Museum, a guy was cleaning out, just my job, clearing out a storeroom mm. and he found a crate and it was from uh, 1898 Western Australia. And this guy had been sent out from the London Natural History Museum, the British Museum at the time, to look, just collect bird skins and, and yeah. you know, indigenous artefacts, whatever he could get to put on display. Yeah. And they opened up this crate and there's this massive uh, uh, um, skin in there. Yeah. And it's clearly a giant um, echidna. Wow. And they're like, did, did he go to Papua New Guinea? And they looked at his paperwork and he never went to Papua New Guinea and the label on it he wrote said Western Australia. Western, Australia. Western Australia. So they've gone out to the Pilbara and gone to the local indigenous yeah. going, do you know about this? And they go, oh, you mean the other one? <laughs> what do you mean the other one? I'm like, oh, I've never seen one. But my grandmother always told me there was another echidna living out here. And they'd clearly still been there up until 100 years ago and then wow. got so rare that they... Yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, most likely... It's a very empty area. They could still be out there, but... Yeah. Likelihood is they're, they're now extinct. But yeah. he found one. He got probably one of the last skins in 1898. Wow. So it's a weird place full of weird stuff. Yeah. And there's always weird things to discover. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, um, you know, like you hear that all the time about that land bridge about... You know, people coming and going and, you know, the Indigenous Australians that came across over the 50,000 years ago. Yep. You know, so, you know, like a, 
It's well, the, amazing. The, the, the most amazing one is bananas. Really? Bananas? Bananas are from Queensland. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> the banana looks like it's evolved in Queensland. Yeah. The land bridge has been there. Yeah. So they've then moved up into Papua New Guinea and that's when Europeans discovered them. Oh, so okay, they discovered right, yeah. them around the Indonesia area, yeah. Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, yeah. um, and then take them back and, oh, bananas, it's amazing, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not until they've come and basically started exploring Australia and got to Queensland and there's lots of weird native bananas here. Wow. And they're the, they're the old, old style. They're like... They're more like corn cobs almost. There's not, oh, not okay, a lot of fruit yeah. to them. Ah, uh, sure. Um, because cultivation, you know, yeah. we've changed the banana over time yes. to make it more yeah. fruity. Yes, makes but sense. it looks like the banana evolved in this area. Oh, wow. That's cool to know. Which leads to my favourite story. Do lolly bananas taste like bananas? <laughs> no, well, I always thought they taste fake. <laughs> yeah. Like a fake banana. <laughs> no, they do taste like bananas, just not our banana. There used to be two species of banana and one of them was called the Big Mike. And okay. Big Mikes were a sweeter banana, the yes. world's favourite banana, and that's what lolly bananas it taste tastes like. like. The essence of the, the candy flavouring of bananas is based on the popular banana. A blight then wiped out Big Mikes. They're gone. Is that So is they're that pretty a fact? much an extinct, extinct species. So what you're tasting is, a is the extinct flavour of a banana that used to be the most was most favorite oh, shit, banana. That is an awesome. That's an awesome fact. I didn't know that. Holy, because it's funny that you say that because you taste anything else and you can relate to that taste. Yeah. You taste a banana flavoring like that doesn't taste like no, a banana. <laughs> because the the the, the Cavendish yes. is the bland banana. It's it not is. that sweet. It is bland. Yeah, yeah it because is. It wasn't. It it was the. It's like a plantain. It was more yeah. of a cooking banana. Yeah, of course. But, Wow, that makes sense. I am hearing, and and, and that's a serious problem today because that blights back. Because it only really attacked the big mic, but now it's attacking the Cavendish. Okay. And so the blight, the problem with this thing is it gets into the ground soil. Is that what it is? It stays, it can go dormant. So you can just kill all your banana trees, leave it, don't grow a banana tree for 10 years, come back, plant your banana trees, and the blight's still there. Is it like a bacteria or something? Yeah, and it just attacks. Wow. And so... Because Australia is so isolated and Western Australia is so isolated in Australia, there is a banana plantation basically in Western Australia that they've tried to completely isolate because it is fully expected that we are going to lose our bananas. Wow. Bananas will, you know, science has progressed a lot. So, Spring is my favourite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. They're working on it. They might come up with a, something to save the banana. But at this point, looks like the banana's in trouble and it's going to go. And they've got a population of these bananas sitting over in Western Australia that's so isolated can't get across the Great Australian Bight because it's desert. Yeah. So 
hopefully the blight never reaches Western Australia. So we'll have a population of bananas so that in the future we can kind of bring the banana back at some point. Oh, There's some like, de- depression for you. Great. Um, the amount of wows I've been saying in this <laughs> podcast has been hit. I'd love to see if someone does a counter for us. But yeah, my, my I'm, head, I'm loving it. You're starting to get how my head works. I can imagine. <laughs> these are all the well, connections. And yeah. because I don't forget stuff. Yeah. And that's why I've written all these books because I kept Yes. Yeah, that's right. You are things. an author too, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I kept finding things. I'm like, well, that can't be true. Yes. And so like the colony of Botanic Bay was created by an American. Okay. A guy called James Magra who okay. sailed with Captain Cook. Okay. And he's the guy who got back to England and went, oh, we've got all these problems. We've got all these convicts and stuff. Why don't you send them to Botany Bay? So he's the guy who wrote, wrote the original plan for yeah, the, sure. the colonisation of Botany Bay. Yeah. Who's ever heard of James Magra? No one. I haven't heard of him. Well, technically. <laughs> well, <laughs> on the Endeavour, people started waking up with their ears cut off. Really? Is it him? And Captain Cook says in his journal... I have a very strong suspicion it's this Magra guy. Jeez, Louise, he likes so, collecting ears. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> oh. Or when people pissed him off, yeah. as a joke, he'd come on in and cut off a part of their ear. So they wake up in the morning with a part of their ear missing and he'd be like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when what? you steal my chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a psycho. <laughs> yeah. So what? Wow. And, and, yeah. and then I found a letter because – because he was a very highly educated guy and he got in very good with Joseph Banks, the botanist yes, on, okay. yeah. on, on the Endeavour Voyage. Yes. So it's Banks who gets him his next job, which is he basically becomes the, the English ambassador to you know, uh, Morocco kind yeah. of thing. So he's left there to kind of rot and there's reasons why because he's done some very nasty things Okay. Um, and they don't want him back. Like you yeah. just stay over there. Yeah, yeah, we don't, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. yeah. So as a blind, toothless man, he contacts them going, can I please now retire? <laughs> and, and they finally say, yes, you can come yeah. back and he dies before he gets to do it. Yeah. But before he dies, he writes a letter to Joseph Banks going, remember on the Endeavour when there was a mutiny? <laughs> there was a mutiny? On <laughs> there the, was a mutiny. We've never heard that. Yeah. And so I investigated and the exact same mutiny happened with the bounty, which is they got to Tahiti. Yeah, okay. And some of the crew were like, oh, these girls are pretty nice and the weather's pretty nice and the food's pretty uh, nice and yeah. and you want us to go where? Yeah. Uh, I no. think we'll stay here. Makes sense. And so there was a threatened mutiny and it was basically uh, Magra going, but you'll remember I stopped it. You know, I went to the uh, guys going, yes, it's, it'll be good. You know, the girls are nice for a while and everything, but you know, you're yeah, going to stuck here forever. Yeah. It's going to get boring. Yeah. You know, let's go. Let's keep going. Oh, um, wow. And he stopped the mutiny. Yeah. So, but there was going to be a mutiny on the bounty. So, uh, the mutiny on the endeavor. So that's what, what I'm good at is I keep coming across names going, could that be the same guy that was, I read in this other thing? Well, and it's the same guy. That's a cool way to look at it too. But like, you know, like you could sort of breeze over that and say, oh, it's a bit of a mutiny, but not even really think much of it. Yeah. You know, and then, so, but you actually go, you know what, that's interesting. Let's have a little look at that. And that's why I, I call it pulling threads. Yeah. Okay. Pulling threads. Yeah. yeah. So if you find a thread, yeah. you can't just ignore it. Yes. You've got to follow that thread. Oh, that makes sense. And, you know, saying earlier, like I've got the Friday the 13th tours coming up. Yes. For the, for yes. The, for the Times yes. of Rose. Because I keep finding really nasty stories that I can't use on my normal tours. Because, you know, it's not really family orientated, but kids can come along. Yeah, of course. Like it's not that bad. We do have one beheading. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've done the tour. I've done the tour. Mate, fantastic. No, 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 no. Look, I think personally that tour 
the one that I went on, I think oh, you could have your kids on that one. That one's fine. Yeah. Me personally. Um, the kids see worse stuff on yeah, well, social media these days, mate, than, than hearing an old tale, and, and as, I te- uh, you know, an I, old story. I get emails all the time. Oh, um, yeah, my 13-year-old wants to come along. My 10-year-old wants to come along. I'm like, well, you know your kid. Yes, that's right. We're going yeah. down dark alleyways and we yes. are talking about beheadings. Yes, you know, that's so right. You have yeah. no problems with that? I have no problems yeah, we'll with coming along. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this stuff is the stuff I can't use on that. So there's that like a sense. gruesome murder where the new art museum is today in 1947. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um and I kept finding threads and kept pulling and I yeah. kept finding like these terrible series of rapes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's led to me kind of uncovering that we had for nearly 30 years a serial rapist in Rockhampton. Wow. That's kind of been ignored or, or yeah, forgotten yeah. because that nobody realised it's the same guy over 30 wow, years. Wow, that's interesting. That's crazy to think that. Yeah. So it's pulling threads. Yeah. Because you know, often it doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, of course. You know, or it. It doesn't lead where you're hoping it's leads. You're like, yeah, sure. Oh, you know, a beheading. Yes, yes. And they may have used the word beheading back then as to say, oh, he was the head of the family and we beheaded him and he's now not the head of the family anymore. Yeah, sure. So when you Google search beheading and it comes yeah. up with this hit and you're like, oh, I found one. Oh, no. <laughs> and so there's lots of words like that that today – isn't exactly the term that was used back then. Of course, and so you yeah, of course, tracked. it would be. Yeah, you yeah. would be a different. It would be a different because over the years people change the terms of certain yeah. things, don't they? Of yeah. course, they would. Uh, so you know, so yeah, a lot of these things don't lead where you think it's going to lead. Yeah, of course. Like um, uh, even uh, I was looking for aliens. Yeah, cool. you know, did, yeah. did people see stuff in because the, they there was no lot, night. There was no street lights or anything, so the yeah. night sky would have been so much brighter. So Less if there were UFOs or anything, they would have been seeing these things yeah, in the sky. Going, what the hell's that? <laughs> That's cool. So looking for this stuff, but alien back then was all about um, new people coming into town. Of course, there so were everybody aliens. was an alien, yeah. and they yeah, really used that word so much that if there are those stories in there, you can't find them. Yes, yeah. it's just it'd you be know, so you come back di- with ten thousand hits. And like, they'd oh, be so diluted. Yeah, yeah. So you got to. Really refine your words when you're doing yeah. this sort of stuff. And then when you find something, just follow it. Keep pulling that thread because you don't know where it's going to go. That's so interesting. I'll, yeah. Did, how did you how did you get the, the transition from – so after after doing the stint in America and whatnot and then you come back over back over to Australia and that, what gave you the either the interest or how did you get to where you are now here in Rocky doing so Rocky. time fire safaris? Because – those safaris, like they, they are fascinating. So I come back. I come back from Chicago. Um, my partner at the time is still in Chicago. Sure. Um, I come back because my mum's sick. So sure. like, look, I've been overseas for two years or three years. Yeah. Like I got to go back and see her. I come back. I get a job at the National Film and Sand Archives. I get a job at the Australian National Botanical Gardens, and um, through the magazine that I write, the Prehistoric Times yeah, magazine. Sure. If you want to join our Facebook page, you've got to uh, put in, you know, like what's your favourite prehistoric animal and that just gets rid of all the bots. And uh, yeah, and sure. <laughs> and because it's a US magazine, this girl from Rockhampton <laughs> writes in going, oh, my favourite uh, animal is Thylacoleo, the Australian marsupial lion and blah, 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 blah. And so I, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. she thinks I'm American. <laughs> so oh. I don't know what Thylacoleo is. Yeah. So I email back going, well, is that Thylacoleo Prisco or Thylacoleo uh, Carnifex? Or is it the smaller <laughs> version, Prisco Leo? Or is it the much smaller? Yeah, you know, just being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, 
how do you know what these animals are? Because yeah. I'm, like, I'm Australian. I run the National <laughs> Dinosaur Museum. And, and so we started chatting. And so I'm back in Australia. I meet, you know, this girl. I then break up with the girl in um, – she's still in Chicago and she's only oh. just come back, which is why I still haven't picked up my stuff Oh, yet. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So – and I'm getting on really well with this girl online. I'm like, oh, well, I'm broken up. And this girl sounds lovely. So I do the world's greatest first date. <laughs> I go, you've never been to Sydney. So come on down to Sydney and I know the people at the Australian Museum and I'll give you a special tour of the Australian oh, Museum. cool. She works at the Capricorn Caves. Ah, oh, okay, she, sure. she does all their fossils and stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Smooth. So we get on really well. <laughs> and so, you know, we're, we're chatting a lot and, and finally I, I come up to see what Rockhampton's like and yep. she completely lies to me and you're hearing this for the first time. <laughs> oh, does Rockhampton get humid during summer? No. Because <laughs> I'm from Canberra. It gets hot in Canberra yeah. but there's no humidity. And to be fair, she's been living in Mackay. Okay. So it's a yeah, lot so more. She's, so she's to her, weathered. it's not that humid. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being a kid and we'd left Canberra and we came up to Rockhampton and we'd been in an air-conditioned car the whole time. Yep. So, you know, we're tempered. We come up in January. I get out of the car and I remember sucking in the hottest air I've ever felt in my life. I was like, holy Fuck, what the hell is this shithole? <laughs> it turned up to hell. <laughs> so I don't know if I did the joke on my tour, on the tour you're on. Yeah. But because I keep forgetting the joke and I keep forgetting to say it. <laughs> but I did find a, a cartoon that was drawn in a very early Rockhampton newspaper. And it was a guy who's talking to his mate's ghost. <laughs> and the ghost has come back haunting him. Yeah. And he's like, What the hell have you come back for, mate? He's like, Well, you know, I lived a bad life and I got sent to hell. And, you know, I'm from Rockhampton and I'm finding hell so cold. I've come back for some blankets. <laughs> that's, that's how hot Rockhampton yeah, gets through that's, summer. That's a perfect example of it and yeah. I would totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, so um, so that's how it happened. So I came up okay. and visited a couple of times and then yeah, uh, sure. I kind of went, well, you've got kids in school. Yep. I, I don't, mm. you know, I'll find something to do. <laughs> so I came up, sure. I was working out the Capricorn Caves with her for a while. Um, and actually my, de- my tours were designed for the caves. Like sure. it was actually um, – because they get so many school groups staying overnight and things. Yes. And they don't do a lot with them at night. So the original tour was more of a history walk, yeah, which sure. is now the day walk. Yeah. But um, the council was getting so excited for them and, and they've had a couple of management changes out at the caves and every time a new manager starts, they go, well, let them just settle in before we start anything yeah. new. And the council's <laughs> like, oh, this is such a fantastic idea. We might have to start – asking out and seeing if anybody else wants to do it. Yeah. And eventually – and when I really found the Jack the Ripper stuff. Oh, that's yeah. – I just went, yeah, not done. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, that I'm, – I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, that – look, that that stuff to me is fascinating. Now, for people when they first hear it, you're like, Jack the Ripper, come on. Like, what, 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 what actual – what's going on? But then when you actually sit there and you explain to the group how it came about with that – it makes you sit there and go, yeah, the timeline yeah. and and the and the the way it all worked out. Yeah, you're like that makes perfect sense. It's hundred percent. Like it's just like holy shit. That is that could definitely be the case. Yeah, like it's it, it it and you know I used to call them the Jack the Ripper tours and nobody booked them. Yeah, because everybody went as if they yeah. can't be real. Yeah, and so I wasn't getting anybody booking the tour. So I I changed the name a couple of times and hit the, like ghost. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what people want to. And and look, that's you know, look, that's what sucked me in. 
Like, and then, and then I walked away from the end of the tour going, holy shit, Jack the Ripper came through Rocky. Holy <laughs> crap. Like, <laughs> you, you forget about the ghost stuff and you go, holy crap, Jack the Ripper came through Rocky. And that takes me back to, like, one of the books I wrote was a mm. two million word book on the history of Australia because I've been really all these locations and all – and it, it's just given me a different view of Australian history. Mm. And so the history we're taught is rubbish mm-hmm. and just so inaccurate. So I kind of wrote this story. And two million words is like five books. That <laughs> so is a I, long yeah, book. Yeah, so I'd take them into like uh, publishers going, well, there'll probably be a couple of books, <laughs> you know, and, and this is what it's about. And they just go cross-eyed by me trying to tell them the story. <laughs> and, 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 and they're kind of right. They'd kind of go, well, history books that sell today are usually about an individual yes. or an event. Yes. Anything else like bigger wider tapestries nobody's interested so you're not going to sell it yeah. this sounds fascinating and nobody would ever read it so that's why you know i've got my own podcast that i've been putting yeah. some of the stories up on the podcast and what's the name of that podcast uh bizarre australian history bizarre australian history because and this is true the the, the australia was discovered by the europeans because of the fall of the roman empire Yes. And when you say that to people, they look at you very strange and try and keep on eye contact as they're <laughs> making their way to the door. But yeah. when, you just, when you go through it and explain yes. Rome was not the Roman Empire. Yes. Because yes. Rome was the capital. Yes. And then in year basically 20, Emperor Constantine yes. moved the capital of Rome to Constantinople, yes. named it after himself, so in, you know, 2040 AD or whenever it is the Visigoths sack Rome, that's not the capital. That's just some place that the emperor doesn't care about anymore yeah, it's basically right. sucking all the cash out that he makes. The money is in the Middle East mm-hmm. in Istanbul, Constantinople. Mm. Mm. And that's the spice trade and that's all the, the, the Silk Road and everything. And it's not until the very last – because the Roman Empire then turns into the Byzantine Empire. Byzantine, yeah. It is still the Roman Empire. He still wears a Roman toga. Yes. Still purple. Calls himself a Roman emperor. Yes. And so the very last Roman emperor was when Constantinople was sacked by the Moors, the Muslims. Yes. And they they kind of go, look, every time we let you Christians in, you're bloody crusaders. So we're cutting the Silk Road. You can't come through here anymore. Uh, piss off. Yeah. And Istan- oh, by the way, Constantinople is now Istanbul. Yes. And so that's the fall of the Roman Empire. And the Spanish have the Spanish they've, – they've got Indonesia. Yeah. Well, that's the spice trade. And now the Silk Road's cut and they're like, how do we get back there? Let's hire this guy called Columbus. Yes. Who goes looking for the Indies and he f- discovers the West Indies because he thinks he's travelled the whole way – the different way around the earth and got back to basically India. Meanwhile, the Dutch go, well, if the Spanish are going that way – across the Atlantic, we're going to go down, yeah. go under Africa, and they discovered the west coast of Australia. Ah. So literally the, the fall of the Roman Empire led to Europe, yeah, Europeans discovering, discovering Australia. Australia. And when you destri- describe it like that, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes sense. perfect sense, yeah. But if you just say, Australia was discovered by the fall of the Roman <laughs> Empire, people just look at you weird. <laughs> and that's why, and that's exactly the same point about the Jack the Ripper story. Yeah. yeah. And that and when, when, you actually give, when you actually sit there and listen to it, it makes – Perfect sense, yeah, and and you completely yep that that that, that has merit. Oh, it's crazy, and yeah. that's why the British police is, they they're saying he's their number one suspect. Like, yeah, there's lots of suspects. They've all got a reason why they're not Jack the Ripper. Yes, he had a reason why he's not Jack the Ripper. This yeah. guy, uh, but that reason's now gone. They've mm. disproved that. So 
there's no reason why he's not the Ripper, which means he probably was the Ripper. Did you did you get like a motivation to do these time safari things when you started like divulging into that some of the history around Rockhampton and stuff? How did that all come yeah, about? Or were you sort of like did they go, hey, look, you know, we know what you're capable of doing here. Can you can you give us a bit of well, how did that work? Because I was at the caves and I create tours. That's that's yeah, now that's my your, basically your my thing. business. And it's, like, and it's know, named Time Safaris, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, before that, you know, uh, in Chicago, I was creating tours for them. Sure, uh, they've got a traveling dinosaur exhibit at the moment. All the dinosaurs from Antarctica. So if you go oh. to the Queensland Museum at the moment, they've got a display from Patagonia, the Patagonian dinosaurs. Oh, okay, cool. And. Um, that's just traveling the world. So yeah. it'll do a couple of months there. They'll pack it up. It'll move yep. on to the next museum yep. and they'll bring in the next exhibit. Uh, so if the Antarctica dinosaurs display shows up in Australia and you go to it and you take a tour, I created that tour. Wow. There you yeah. go. Holy smokes. Yeah. So that's what, you know, so I, I was doing the same thing, you know, Australian National Botanical Gardens. Even during COVID up here, yeah. um, I created a tour, basically a display for them because they got all these giant all the giant wombats and they got statues and, and yeah and so I worked out, looked at the gardens, went well. This is where you should put them, and this is how you should set it. The walk and uh, can you plant one of these trees? There's a tree in the middle of Australia called the Willy Willy tree, it's mm. the rarest tree in the world. Is it really? And it's actually got these massive spikes on it, about yeah. two meters off the ground. Why? There's nothing in Australia because there used to be giant rhino-sized wombats. Oh, and okay, it's, it's to, yeah. So it's a feature, it's called a ghost feature because the reason for that feature is gone. It's gone, but you they know, still have it. Yeah, it's the avocado. The avocado seed is massive. Yes. And if you try and swallow it, you're going to die. Yes. But it's evolved to be swallowed and, uh. and, and, and excreted and that's when it germinates. Yes. And in the Americas today, there's nothing big enough to eat naturally. Makes uh, sense. But... If you go back 10,000 years, there were giant sloths and mammoths and all these things that were eating the avocado. Yeah. But trees live a long time and luckily it lived just long enough for humans to show up and go, oh, this is pretty good. And they <laughs> yeah. start cultivating it. Uh, of uh, course. But yeah, so it's a ghost feature. We can see the reason for it, but we can't see any animal for why that There's reason no is There's no logical there. reason nowadays for it. Yeah. It, it's, it, there's a classic example in, um, I think it's Madagascar, that there's this weird flower and it's got this massive stem. Yes. And... A guy just looked at that flower and went, there is going to be in Madagascar a moth or a butterfly that's going to have a, you know, 14-inch long proboscis mm. that will get down there to get into the nectar. And of everybody course. went, there's no such thing in Madagascar. And they eventually caught it. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, because you know, there, there is always reasons for that feature. Yeah. The reason for it may be gone. Mm. But there was a reason for it. Yeah, of course. It makes you know? perfect sense. And for, for, for us, one of the things I, I do a lot of uh, school visits with fossils and I talk about how like you can see the evolution of all these species in our own body. For example, how many eyes do we have? Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah. No, no, no. We don't have two. We have three. <laughs> three. Oh, yeah, of course. You got the… The parietal eye. Yeah, the, that's the, right. Yeah, the, which is now the parietal organ. Yes. But in everything up until lizards… They still have an operating peripheral eye on the top of their head. So amphibians still have it. A lot of reptiles still have it. Yeah, sure. Everything past reptiles, so mammals and things, have, but basically our skulls have grown over it and it's now buried in our brain. Yeah, sure. But we have three eyes. Yeah. A lot of reptiles have the nictating eyelid, the, the sideways going yes. eyelids, and that's what that weird little fleshy thing is in the corner of your eye 
that's the remnants of our nictating eyelid. Wow. So we've, we've actually got all these features. Like um, yeah. uh, uh, a fish have what's called a lateral line and they can sense pressure. So if you ever see a kingfisher diving into water or a seagull yes. and the fish will actually get out of the way because it can feel that buildup of pressure and it will move. Of course. It Do would, this. Yes. Blow on your hand. Yeah. That is the fish's lateral line. So ah. you can feel that the reason why you can feel pressure on your hand. Because he can feel it coming. The hairs on our body are basically the fish's lateral line that's just exploded all over us. Yes, of course. Um, we've still got gills. You know, the gills have turned into a piece of our ear and a piece of our jaw. Yeah. Um, and as a, in, in, in the nine months that you're forming, you actually have gills and a tail wow. and stuff like that. Um, of course. We, yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. And the weird one is um, because we can now get in and, turn genes on and off, mm. a paleontologist went, well, maybe we can get chicken eggs, chicken embryos, go in and mess around with the genes and turn on T-Rex teeth. Because if they evolve, birds evolve from dinosaurs, those genes are still in there somewhere. Yes. So they went to do it and nobody had looked. And in the embryo, chicken embryos have teeth and a 13 vertebra tail just like a dinosaur. Oh. And, and, and before they hatch, that stuff they, they'll keep, yeah, of course, growing, yeah. yeah, and that stuff will get absorbed and disappear. But they actually have T. Rex teeth or dinosaur teeth and a dinosaur's tail, and it will eventually get absorbed in there. So they actually have them in the egg. So they wow. didn't need to do it. Wow. So yeah, there's weird stuff out there, and the more we're learning, the more we know to look. Isn't that crazy when you think about it like that? Like when you just really. Sit sit back and have a uh, like a like you you break it down. Yep. And then you go, yeah, why have we got that? Yeah. Crazy, Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Like um, do you know anybody who's freakishly good at picking up stuff with their toes? (laughs) Yeah, no. Actually, yeah, no, I do. Ten percent of us have an extra ligament. Really? And it runs from the back of your knee to your foot. And it's basically if you move your hand and you put your hand under your elbow, you can feel your ligaments moving there. Yes, of course, yeah. Because we used to hold on to branches with our feet. Oh, of course, because yeah. Back when we were basically monkeys. Yes, And because of we're, it's atrophied, it's, it's in, in 90% of it, it's completely gone. Yes. But if you ever have ligament surgery, the first thing they will look to see if you've got that muscle, which is now basically looking like a ligament, it's yeah. atrophied that much if you have it. Yes. So if you're one of the 10%, They'll harvest that and they'll use that to re- repair your ligaments, but everybody else doesn't have it. But ten percent of us are freakishly good. Have the ligament and the can pick of up it. stuff with their feet because they've got an extra ligament in their legs. That's crazy, isn't it? That's insane. The, that's, and that's what I mean. The more you get into this stuff, the more you find you're more like <laughs> you're doing my head in, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like I would see. Look, I I got a bad habit of going down rabbit holes. Like yep. I, I can go down a rabbit hole and I can get deep. Like yep. so, pull that thread. Oh yeah, pull the thread. I like that one. Um, that's, so that's a hashtag right there. So pull so, the so an easy one is, and I do this on my dinosaur tour of the zoo. Yeah, uh, ostriches don't have wings. Yeah, if you turn okay. an ostrich's wings upside down. They've got three clawed fingers. They're still dinosaurs and they've got three clawed fingers. You wow. just can't see them because of the yeah. feathers. Yeah, the of course. emu has one clawed finger left. It's lost the other two but it still has a clawed finger. They're not birds. They're dinosaurs and they've yes. got clawed hands. They're, they're the closest thing to them. Yeah. yeah. And why don't you want to get kicked by a cassowary? Because of the hooks. The, With a big claw. The and claw. if you watch Jurassic Park, the same yeah. velociraptor <laughs> claw, yeah. cassowaries still have. Because they're, dinos- they're not birds, they're dinosaurs. Wow. 
Oh, man, the amount of times I've said, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do apologise. No, no, you're right. I appreciate it. It's great. Did, um, did you, how did you find, like, because you would have been new to the, the history of Rockhampton. Yeah, itself. absolutely blank so, slate. Yeah, I didn't so know blank slate, any yeah. So when you started digging into it, I'm going to assume because you wanted to set up, you were setting up a tour. And that's just what I do. Yeah. So... I find oh, so threads. you probably, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I, I was doing it by myself because I just find something and go, what? That can't be true. Yeah. And then I'd look into it and go, oh my God, it's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, it, and it leads me to something else and it then leads me to something else. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, somebody was telling me that the Japanese during the Second World War invaded Yapoon. Yeah. And they landed a bunch of Japanese at Yapoon and they headed inland. Yeah, sure. Like, nah, did, I worked at the War Memorial for 10 years. You know, yeah. I know where the Japanese landed. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah, they probably didn't, but yeah. there is no evidence to say they did. Another one is uh, a Japanese submarine was uh, uh, sunk in the, the mouth in in uh, oh, it's a port like down Fitzroy, here, at Fitzroy yeah. mouth, there, yeah, the, the mouth sea. of Fitzroy, yeah. And I can find no that that didn't happen, but something did happen because they did find a weird thing on the beach one day, and they're like, oh my god, it's a Japanese miniature submarine, and it it's not, it's um. Uh, basically during the war they had these weird torpedo things with wings and they'd drop them off the sides of the of the, the, the boat and have them a bit in front of the boat and they'd kind of be looking for mines and oh, and, okay. and just br- kind of brushing things out of their way yep. and it was one of those. And they do look like a submarine. Do they so, really? Yeah, wow. I, I can't remember what they're called but like an aileron or something. Yeah. But that's what it was. Yeah, um, okay. But, you know, a lot of things you go, oh, the, you know, that didn't happen. But then often you find out they did. Wow. That's yeah, interesting. And so there's a couple of things. Um, uh, there was a fight in Rockhampton during the Second World War yeah. where Australian soldiers killed American soldiers and it happened at the train station ah. and I just proved it. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Like I could find lots of rumours. Yeah. Lots and lots of Australian soldiers going, oh, did you hear what happened in Rockhampton? A mate of mine said a mate of his. So there was yeah. no eyewitness. It yeah. was all... But it's all the old perfect monkey dishwasher job. Yeah, but I found a guy like on the record saying I was sitting on a train yeah, and this this event happened in front of me. So, you, you, you know, a lot of these things never lead anywhere but they might lead you somewhere else but often but occasionally turns out to be true. Is a lot of that information that you're sourcing and researching, is that from like – CQ history societies and stuff like that, or There's are you googling it? Yeah. Like. Well, so it sounds ridiculous now when you say Google because you know the internet. You never trust yeah, the know. internet. Yeah, but it's a different thing. But Google Books is fantastic because you can look for stuff and you can sort your searches out by date. Sure. For example, like this part of the Australian story, I discovered. Uh, is all based around the transit of Venus. So that's why Captain Cook was in the Pacific. Yeah, the sure. transit of Venus is when Venus crossed the sun. And yes. because we can triangulate, we can work out triangulation, somebody went, well, if we do the accurate triangulation, we can find out how far the Earth is away from the sun. Yes. So it became a big thing. And they yeah, sent, and, and the weird thing about the, the transit of Venus is you get two. So you get one and then eight years later you get another one. Then you have to wait 120 years for the next set of two. Uh, so they the first one was like eight, uh, 1761 or something. Yeah. And I've written a paper about this. It's the greatest hilarious disaster 
Like it goes so wrong in so many ways. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be hilarious. Really? Like one guy gets sent to Russia and the second he turns his telescope into the sky, Russia has the greatest thaw because it's all frozen. Yeah. Floods, mudslides, thousands of people dying and all the very suspicious, very backwards natives look at him and go, so you pointed that thing at the sun and suddenly everything melted. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> and so he has to run from Ru- of, Russia. Of with course guys they like would. pelting their spears at him like India and Joe's at the beginning of Rose of the Lost Ark um, and runs for his life. Uh, so it just goes wrong. And one guy gets sent to uh, Pondicherry in India. So he spends like a year and a half getting to this place. He gets to India and goes, no, this is a terrible spot. This, this isn't a good place. I've done – read down the calculations – I need to be down in basically Jakarta. Yeah. So he goes, he gets himself back, you know, six months later. He's built, he's actually built an observatory and he's French. And the French science, uh, the French uh, Department of Science goes, yeah, we've had a think of things and now you've got to be in Pondicherry. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's not going to be a good place. And like, no, 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 no. We, you know, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. You're back in Pondicherry. So get on the next boat, get yourself to Pondicherry. And he's like, but it's only a month away. <laughs> and like, no, yeah, it's plenty of time. And the second he gets on the boat, England invades this, the, the Spanish possession of uh, the French uh, colony of Pondicherry. Now there's a war going on and he's stuck on this boat and they're going, well, we can't land until the war's finished. <laughs> and so he finds himself stuck on the deck of this vessel watching the transit of Venus above him and he's trying to get this very accurate measurement and the boat's moving and everything. And then he's like, oh, it just doesn't work. It's yeah. terrible. And then his assistant sends him a letter going, we had the best view. We got the most accurate. It was fantastic. And he's like, <laughs> fuck this. The next one's in eight years. Yeah, okay. So he goes, well, I'm not going to spend another year getting home to then and then come back. I'm staying. Yeah. So he stays for eight years. He does all this amazing science. He discovers new plants and new animals and just amazing stuff. He's in his observatory in Jakarta going, right, here we go. <laughs> and a letter shows up from the French science going, yeah, we've had a think of things and you need to be in Pondicherry. Oh, no. He's like, no, I'm not doing it. And they're like, with Pondicherry. And he's like, I don't want to go. And they're like, you've got to go to Pondicherry. So he goes, all right. He goes to Pondicherry. It's now a British possession. So he goes up to the British and goes, look, guys, this is what I'm here for. And they're like, Oh, you're part of that exhibit? Yep, no problems. What do you need? Need a building? Here's a building. Uh, they don't tell him it's the gunpowder storage building. <laughs> and he sets up his observatory and, and like, it's just clear skies. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, it's going to start. It starts first thing in the morning as the sun pops up. He'll catch transit heading across. And he wakes up early and he's all excited and he's standing there and it's like you can see the, the sky's getting brighter. And he's like, here we go, here we go. And the first bit of the sun pops up and he's like, all right, it's going to happen. And the sun pops up and then you can see transit, the, the Venus getting to the sun and then a little cloud goes. <laughs> and this one little cloud just stops. And then after about 40 minutes, the cloud goes and moves to the side. And the Venus has gone up to the other side of the sun. And this is what the, all the books say is he goes, <sighs> and he turns around and just gets in his bed and doesn't get out of his bed for a week. <laughs> and then a letter comes in from his assistant down in Jakarta going, we had the best. <laughs> <laughs> that poor bastard. 
<laughs> so that's the kind of stuff. But one of the one of the ex, ex, and this is why I say you know Google Books is very handy because everybody says. So one group of them go down to Mexico and they get into yeah, Mexico. Sure. They arrive at Mexico just as yellow fever breaks out and they're all basically doctors. So they roll up the sleeves and they help out and they all die from yellow fever. And the main scientist guy, his last act in the world is like, oh, there's the Venus crossing the sun <laughs> and six degrees, 40 minutes and, uh, and dies wow. as the last thing he writes. Right? Really? So, wow. So that's what all the books say. Yeah. But because you can Google stuff by time. Yeah, sure. And it literally you can see that phrase, you know, they all arrive in Mexico, yellow yeah. fever breaks out, they all die except for the one guy who manages to get the last thing out and the only survivor is some cabin boy who brings all their papers back, which is how we know what happened. Ah. And that's exactly what every book ever written about the transit of Venus says until you get to a certain date and then the story changes. Yeah, right. Because in the past there weren't that many books. And there certainly weren't many books about the transit of Venus. Yeah, of course. So like in 1820, a guy wrote the book on the mm. transit of Venus. And anybody who wrote about the transit of Venus after that date went to that book. But if you get past the 1820 book, I mean, heaps of people survived. A very famous artist survived. In fact, his paintings are hanging on the Louvre today. The entire story changes because that guy – had no clue what he was talking about. He just kind of made up a made lot of the up, story. Uh, of course, yes. And that became the history. Yes. And if you can get past that point, yes. history can change. Yes, of course, definitely. Because people get set in their ways. Yeah. Or, or they're lazy or there's yes. only one source and that's the source you go to. Yeah, of course, definitely. Um, but there's lots of sources. And so for the Endeavour Voyage, there's the Captain Cook's journal. Yes. But there's not because they all wrote books. Yes. But the Endeavour one was the only one uh, published and – endorsed and the James Magra guy there was an, another American called Legend and he wrote the very first book ever that was copyrighted in America oh. and it's all the Endeavour Voyage oh. and it's a totally different story because it's from his perspective. And is this what so, so some of the things that you get into yeah. with your bizarre history? And that's what I mean. Podcast? Like, I, yeah. I just, yeah, that's this is where fantastic. Yeah, from, I know? love it. Yeah, this uh, is great. George Washington committed a murder and that murder starts the um, American Revolution which then yeah. leads to the colonisation of Australia. That's phenomenal. Who's ever heard of George Washington murdering someone? No, never. Never. Yeah. All you hear him as the first ever president. Yeah. yeah. And so that's all. Yeah, and then selling the, the abysmal swamp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the second thing now. <laughs> yeah. So that's how my, you know, and I always blame comic books because in comics you have to remember 15 years ago in issue 399 this character met this guy and they said this thing yeah. and then some writer 25 years later brings that storyline back and you're like, oh, that's the guy from the issue 366. and the, the. So you get this weird cross-pollinization yes. in your head of wires and that's why I can very easily look at something and go, I know that. That's, that's, is that the same guy? And you start putting all these stories that's together. That's such a cool thing. but And that's what was happening here. That's what happened with that serial rapist. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, I started to go, yeah. hang on, something weird's going on here. Yeah, something's happening. And I discovered it's the same guy. That's crazy to think that, isn't it? Did you – what was your first reactions with some of those history, with some of the stories that you've heard from the Rockhampton history? Were you like sort of like, oh, this place is a fucking shit hole? Or were you like, you know what, this has got some rich history? Or you know, what, what did you think? <laughs> that happens a lot like, whoa, this used to be a rough town. <laughs> yeah. But – 
every town was a rough town. Yeah, of like course. you know, look at some of the stories that are coming out of Sydney and things like that, and London, and yeah, of you course. Know, like, and when you start when you start looking for those stories, they're the stories you find. Yes, of course. So, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What I will say is, I'm absolutely shocked at how much history there is. So I'm from Canberra. We yeah. don't have any history. The bloody course, place wasn't built to the 1930s. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah, and you know, mostly wasn't built to the 60s. So it's all pretty new. Yeah, of course. Um, and so to me, I, I'm like a baby bird. You know, I move into a new place and I imprint on the first thing I see. Of course you would, yeah. And just walking down going, wait, that building's 1870? Like, yeah. no. Um, you know, and this happened and that happened, you know. Um, and I'm discovering, like one of the things I, I was looking for is I knew Houdini. For, well, he, he's, he's an exclusive for your listeners. Oh, okay, excellent. I love exclusives. Thank you. Go on, fill us in. Name the first human being to fly powered flight in Australia. Australia. I just said him. Oh, Houdini. Houdini. True shit. Houdini <laughs> was the first person to fly in Australia. Really? Because he wanted to be the first person to fly. Okay. And he got a very primitive plane together and he was just about to launch it in America when the Wright brothers flew. Ah. And he's like, God damn it. All right. Packed up his plane, put it on a boat, went to Europe. Got it off at Europe, and just as he got it off the plane, some French guy was the first f- person to fly in France. He's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> okay, who doesn't have any flights whatsoever? Australia's pretty backwards. Yeah, let's go. And so, by the time he gets to Australia, he gets here just in time to put his plane together, do the first powered flight before the first Australian to fly. Wow! So Houdini was the first person to True. fly in Australia. There you go. And he'd been in Australia quite a bit, and I'm like, well. Rockhampton was a big town at the time with lots of money. Did he come to Rockhampton? Yeah. I can find no evidence Houdini okay. came to Rockhampton. But by looking to that, I found the Houdini of Rockhampton. Oh, really? There was a Houdini of Rockhampton? There was a guy who was such a nasty prisoner, they kept arresting him and he escaped from every Queensland jail. True. And they're calling him the Houdini of Queensland. Wow. They put him in the Rocky Jail, he escaped. They put him, <laughs> they put him in the Bogo <laughs> Jail in, in Brisbane naked, by himself, in solitary, with armed guards watching him 100% of the time, on the second day he was in that jail, they brought him in for his breakfast. So he's sitting in this room by himself, naked, eating with guys watching him, and they go into his cell to check it, and three of the four bars in the window have been loosened, and if they'd not checked, the next night he would have been been gone. Wow. <laughs> and so oh. the Houdini of Rockhampton. So I've got an article coming out about him. That's cool. Because, like, you just never know where this stuff's going to lead. Yeah. You. Yeah. So I was looking for Houdini and I found a Houdini, just yeah. not the Houdini I was looking for. That's unreal. Did you, um, did you, because you've got a couple of different, so you, with your time safaris, you've got, you got the history one. Yep. You, you've got the. So I've got murder, a day. You've got yeah. a couple of different ones. Yeah. You? So I do a day walk, which is the history of the town. So the Archer yeah. brothers and. And uh, a bit of history of the river and, and you know, is Mount Archer a mountain? Yeah. <laughs> there are very specific rules and that's a bloody hill. Um, but it turns out one of the rules is very important and it is a mountain. Um, yeah, fair so we talk about all this stuff. And yeah. then um, – so that's the day walk and then the night walk is the dark side of Rockhampton. So yeah, sure. Exactly. So that was, the, that was the one that I went on. Yeah, so you um, went on that one. Yeah. Uh, I then do uh, the um, Botanical Gardens tour because I used to be a Australian yeah. National Botanical Garden Education Ranger. Uh, and the zoo, and the zoo is a fossil to it because I've still got all these fossils of skulls and things. So we go yeah, through the zoo. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't and it? I pull out the fossils of the animals in the zoo, their prehistoric relatives, and talk about yep. you know, evolution and stuff like that. Um, everybody keeps asking me to do a um, cemetery tour. Yes. And I know some 
women do some ghost cemetery tours, and I'm not talking about doing that. Yeah. I had an hour to kill uh, between appointments, so I went in and, and the first thing – I walked into the cemetery, the first thing I saw is impossible mm-hmm. and was so amazing. I went – I took photos of it and went, or I'll find out why this thing's here because it cannot be here. Okay, yeah, sure. What's that? Um, so the, the the south side entrance where all the um, – I, I don't know street names. But yeah, the, sure. Um, this side of Woolworths. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so the would it be up on top Alan's, of the hill? Uh, it's the one on the side. On so the side, okay, yeah. So side, yeah, the side top, street. Top yeah. of the hill is, yeah, so the, the one where all the uh, figs. Okay, yeah, sure, yep. Literally on the other side of those figs is a giant white monolith. Wow. And it's got a, a, a World War One soldier's name on it. Yeah, sure. They didn't bring First World War soldiers back. So that cannot be a, a uh, tomb. For so you. I would never have known that. Yeah, because they didn't bring any of them back. Like, um, and but it had about five or six other names on it. Okay, I'm like, what? And they're all the same name, like John Smith, Mary Smith, Bill Smith, and they all died within a two year period of the war. Okay, what? So I looked into it. And yes, they had built this monument to him, like their fallen son, because he he's so he's buried in France or wherever it is. Um, there's a very famous uh, down at Yapoon. They've got the Anzac Parade display. Yes, and there's a water fountain there. Yeah, that water fountain is from the family. That's his water fountain. That's his monumental water fountain. So now oh. he's got two monuments, three if you count uh, France. Or wherever he died. Yes, sure. Four, when you think his name is on the Australian War Memorial Roll of Honour. Of course. This is getting kind of crazy. Yeah. And the entire family died within two years. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it? and we do know we've got the Spanish influenza hitting. Queensland seemed to have skirted past that, so I'm not sure that's what killed them. But brothers, sisters, dad, mum all died within a two-year period. They're the ones buried around him. But all these names are on this one monument. And then I walked about 10 more steps in and saw three other things that are impossible. <laughs> I went, yeah, I might have to do a cemetery tour. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting real interesting. Yeah, it's getting real crazy. Quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's a war, war memorial, a guy buried there. But the day, and it is a proper AIF yep. war headstone. But he died in 1922. Oh. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, 1922. I'm like, that, that doesn't scan. Yeah. Oh. Was he injured and he eventually succumbed oh, to the injuries? Some, yeah, so I looked into him okay. and that's exactly so what So is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, okay, he, wow. He eventually died from the injuries. Injuries. And that's what I mean. So I started looking at all these things going, yeah, I might have to do a cemetery Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting stuff. And, yeah, you know, the, the griffin, the, the beheaded yes. uh, guy we talk about on our night tour, Yes, that's what I was looking for because I knew he was in there somewhere. Yes. And so just looking around for that, I just kept popping across things going, what? That can't be right. Oh, my God. Here's <laughs> some more rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> so I might be doing a, a cemetery. I might be adding oh, wow. a cemetery to a short. That's week. amazing. I um, I was absolutely fascinated by it. It was, it was great. You know, like, um, and I couldn't, I could not recommend it enough to people. I really think that people should take the time because it's, I, I agree. By it's the way. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. <laughs> But honestly, I think it's like one of those little untapped resources that's available to people around town here, and and literally, like it is a fascinating tour. Like it, it really it's a, is. It's an amazing place. Yeah, and we don't have a museum. 
Mm. Um, you know, oh, yeah, and I'm not know. saying the council doesn't have plans for a museum, but there isn't really a museum here. That's right. So this is a way of getting that museum. And especially mm. if you've got people visiting, and yeah. that's why I tell folks, you know, like if you've got family coming in, mm. they're going to find out about their town pretty easily, their town. Yeah. And there's, as you know, it's not all just ghosts and murders. No, and stuff. no, 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 just some and rich if you do history, the history stuff. You know, if you go to the Australian War Memorial, the biggest thing they've got on display there is G for George, the giant four inch yes, Lancaster. Yes, I have bomber. seen that too. Yeah, fascinating. What's that got to do with Rockhampton? Because <laughs> there is an amazing link. Is it really? Yeah, and um, there should be a statue of the guy. That's the link. Oh, is he a pilot? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, wasn't and it? Yeah. What does Rockhampton have to do with Apollo Eleven? I got no idea. Yeah, you have to do the tour. Um, so <laughs> that's a good one for people to know. There we yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, um, yeah. because I've worked in all these locations and my brain's wide strange. Yeah, I find the stuff that you might not generally think of. Yeah. You know, and, and I would say it's wide, fascinating, mate. <laughs> oh personally. no, no, no! Like it's good in short. Too. It's yeah. like um, like I've been doing uh, museum education for a long time, and a lot of teachers do my tours with their school groups. Like, oh, you're so good with the kids. Yeah. You should become a teacher. Like, no, 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 no. I get them for an hour and then I hand them back. Yeah, that's You kept a, yeah. me there for – You're I like, don't, you're I don't like the uncle. challenged. You're like the uncle. I don't want to yeah, – yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'll feed uncle. them full of sugar and give them back to mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you make me a teacher, half that school's <laughs> <Yeah>. dead <laughs> within a week. Like, yeah. It's not gonna... But, like, uh, uh, your personality and the way that you present yourself comes out in your tours as well. So that's why it's partly very fascinating as well. Because if you haven't – if you've got a – if you've got a, a tour guide that doesn't have a personality or doesn't have something to, you know, to show for, and the way that you describe the everything that you're talking about, like you're part of the reason it's so fascinating yeah. yourself as well. And, and there's little skills, and if they don't have the skills, yes, like you can go on a tour that you're kind of like oh, mechanically it's not working because they might be going okay and over here, and then they'll point to the thing behind them and they're talking while they're looking away. Yeah, so like. And then as I was saying, like, no, we didn't hear you. You were yeah. looking away when you said that. Of course, yeah. So there's little things like that, that yeah. you know, um, and that's what I, I train tour guides about. But my very first tour at the Australian War Memorial, they because you, you, when you're training they get you to go on lots of tours with other people and you'll basically become a clone because you'll take these other tours of these other guides yeah. and you watch what they're doing you're going, oh, I like that bit. Oh, I don't know, I'll steal that. Yeah, because it's so much easier to tell a story if it's already been told to you. you know, of course, that's yeah, how we that remember jokes. We're yeah. wired to remember stories. Of course, yeah. But they put me on this guy, and it was the worst tour I've been on in my life. He was so dry, <laughs> really. And it's in the war memorial. He'd be like, "And over here, we have the painting that if you ever saw the movie Gallipoli, <laughs> the final battle, <laughs> the Battle of the Neck." That's this painting. <laughs> and I'm sitting there for an hour and 20 minutes, this guy going. And I came off the tour and went to the guy that was, you know, training me, my boss, and went, do I have to do it that way? He's like, no, good. That's what we wanted to see. <laughs> we always put people on his tour first just to see if they're aware that's not how to do it. <laughs> so they're already getting you yeah. to think about stuff. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, it, no, it's absolutely true. How how often do you run the tours, mate? Just for people to so generally, I do them on a Wednesday and a Saturday. Yep, sure. But during school holidays, I'll yeah, and it all depends because like we do a lot on Key Street. Yes, there's so many uses of Key Street. There's the River Festival. There's the of course like um Friday the thirteenth. I'm like, so many people are booked in. 
I might do a Saturday the 14th for everybody who couldn't get on the 13th yeah. and go, well, we're going to repeat it on the – and then I, and I put up the tour and then luckily I saw on, on Facebook a post came up because what's happening? Oktoberfest. Ah, <laughs> uh, like, of course. Yeah, we're not doing it on a tour on October 14th. Yeah. Cancel. Yes. Because uh, that isn't that'd be a nightmare. So yeah, of course. Uh, so generally it's a it's a Friday night and it's a Saturday night if I can. Um uh, sorry, Wednesday night and a Saturday night. Uh occasionally it might be a Friday night because the Saturday night might have something yep. on. And but it's Christmas time. So there's lots mm. of people, groups out there going, Oh, what are we gonna do for Christmas? You know, we're gonna have our staff dinner. Yeah. And course. then what are we gonna do afterwards or something? So I'm going offering lots of group. That's a great yeah. that's a great thing to and do. And I can mate. do them anytime. Yeah, because that's it's just fantastic. Me. Um what uh, so how do you people get in touch with you? It's through the Time Safari yeah, website. So jump on Facebook, you know, the Time Safari's Facebook or timesafaris.com.au. Yeah. Um and you can all the all the all the all the tours are you've, there. Because you've also on your website too, you've actually got some YouTube clips that you've actually done up. Yeah. Some some video display for some of the things. Yeah, because I find history that I can't yeah. use on the yeah. tours. And it's oh, so it's important. Yeah. Plus I do a lot of school tours. And so as a pre-visit, post-visit, I've got they, – they watch one of those videos. Yes. For example, the 1927 Great Rockhampton Goat Race, which <laughs> yes. is one of the greatest stories ever and ends in the world's first comic book movie being filmed in Rockhampton in 1927. That's fascinating. So kids are already like comic book movie. They're like, oh, what's this? Yeah. And so they watch the video and then they've got to answer some questions. Yes. And then after they uh, – as a post-visit, uh, Victor Roffey. Yes, okay, yes. And do you know who Victor Roffey is? No. Who's that? So everybody in Australia knows who um, uh, Charles Kingsford Smith is. Yes, of course, yes. He's Rockhampton's Charles Kingsford Smith. He ah, does okay. amazing things. He's this kid who the very first flight in Rockhampton is they've just built the aerodrome. Yeah. Uh, it's a World War One fighter pilot doing all this stuff. He This kid walks up to him and goes, how much for the plane? <laughs> and like, what do you mean how much for the plane? Like, plane, how much? I'll buy it off you right now. And he's like, yeah. And he gives him some astronomical number. Kid goes, done. But if I pay that, you've got to give me 12 lessons. All right. Victor Roffey. He then uses that plane and there are stamps of Victor Roffey published in New Caledonia. Is there he's really? he's the first person to fly in New Caledonia. And he comes back and he flies from New Caledonia into Rockhampton. And New Caledonia is French, so when he leaves, they give him some champagne. Oh, we 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 bouquet flowers. He rides yeah. in, in uh, Rockhampton, gets arrested. <laughs> Why? Because customs go, we can't just bring in flowers into the Australia oh. like that. And you didn't pay any stamp duty on your alcohol, oh. so they arrest him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. But he's coming back because his sister. He gets word his sister's getting married to a guy called. Um, uh, Oh, the tennis player. Oh, like um, not like Rod Laver. Yeah, like, Rod, Rod Laver. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's or his Roy. Ah, <laughs> oh, of course it would be. So he's uncle. Yeah, he's Rod Laver's uncle because <laughs> oh, he comes back because his sister's marrying Mister Laver, and the kid is Rod Laver. Oh. So this is Roy- Rockhampton royalty, and nobody's heard of Victor Roffey, and he's the first guy to fly. And why is there not a statue of Victor Roffey? Anyway? Isn't that the connections are just absolutely. Crazy, that's, here, that's what I mean, and it's just it keeps getting crazier and crazier. I've got a massive scar on my knee at the moment because, um, the Queensland's first warship was the HMQS Gunnadar, yeah, because there was a big fear, uh, Russia was going to invade us. We're fighting the British Empire's fighting the Crimea War, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, charge of the light brigade, Russia has a Pacific fleet, yes. What's the British things in the Pacific is Australia, 
Yes. So we're expecting the Russians to show up at any time. So the Queensland colony buys a warship, the HMQS Gunnadar, and if you went out to the botanical gardens, the the, the cannon used to be out there. Yes, that's right. Apart, um, if you drive to Brisbane, as you're driving down to Brisbane, there's all these uh, big uh, billboards for things you can see in the various beaches and stuff. Yeah. And one of them has a big shipwreck on it. Yes. That you can go see and that's the Gunnadar. Is it really? It's literally just sitting on a beach oh. 20 minutes out of Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah, so I went and had a look and completely stacked it now going down a very <laughs> Oh, <rock>. no. <laughs> so, oh. But it's there. So I've been filming this and so my next video will be because uh, in November I'll be down in Canberra. Yes. Because that cannon, the Australian War Memorial came to uh, Rockhampton. Yeah. Went, oh, that's important. We'll have that. And they took uh, it. Is that now what display the war memorial. Okay, and they that's put where a it is. cannon, uh, just a normal artillery cannon in its place. Yeah. So I'll go down and film that and then I'll do the video about the HMQS Gunnadar because that's an important story. Wait, this is just absolute <laughs> bangers after bangers. Eh? I'm just absolutely blown away. I, I knew, look, I'm not, I, no, but look, I'll be honest with you. That's why I had to have you on because I knew I was expecting this to be this good. <laughs> oh, it's 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 an insane phenomenal. spider web of, of everything. But it's it's amazing. Like and like like you said, you know, like it never stops. It doesn't. And yeah. and I'm firmly of the belief that it will never stop yes. because if you're learning something and if you've got an interest and if you're out there exploring the world or exploring knowledge or anything, yeah. you're never going to get old yeah. and you're never probably going to get senile because you just the more, the, use it or lose it. And yes. I'm using it as much as I like. I'll keep on using it. And, yeah. and so like, uh, yeah, I've got books planned and I've got books coming out. Um, uh, like uh, um, there's a Rockhampton publisher. If you go into any of the bookshops like the art museum and stuff, there's yeah. a, a Rockhampton publisher of a lot of local history yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. So I've been talking to him and he's like, oh, have you ever come up with a book idea? Yeah. And I was like, uh, I've got no hook. There's nothing really catching my interest. Well, I think I've found yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and, uh, you know, my latest book is on The Thing, the 1982 yes. horror movie, The yes. Thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and that went to Amazon number one for a while. Did so it really? Congratulations. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, like it's not supposed to be that good. Um, <laughs> like that high. Um yeah. And, you know, I got to talk about – I got to talk to the family who wrote the original story. I got to talk to Mike Plug, who's a comic book artist from uh, – did you see the Disney movie Halloween last year, uh, Werewolf by Night? Yes. They released a black and white – like Mike Plug designed True. the comic book Werewolf by Night. Wow. And he did – he was in a lot of movies. He designed a lot of characters and stuff and he drew all the monster things for the thing. Yes. So I got to talk to him. Um, if you if you lived in the eighties and you watched any movie in the eighties, every movie had a novelization. There was the novelization of the film, yes. And they were all written by one guy called Alan Dean Foster, yes. And I found him online. Oh, you I, I sent him an email going, "Oh, you wrote the thing uh, novelization. I'd like to talk to you." And he's like, "Are you the Phil Hall who writes the Prehistoric Times magazine, the magazine I write for?" Yeah, he knew about you. Yeah, I'm like. What? <laughs> yeah. And that keeps happening. Um, wow, that's amazing. The guy who de- designed the Dinobots in Transformers... Yes. Uh, ...is a guy called... Um, oh, I've just completely gone blank. Um, but there's a famous school uh, class out of the University of LA. Uh, it's the first film school they had in the 70s, early 70s. Lucas, Spielberg. Oh, like wow. All of them were in this, yeah. this, this, this thing. Yeah. And he was in that class. You're kidding me. So when it comes to playing, you know, seven degrees of separation, like how how many steps can you get to anybody? 
I can get to almost anybody on the planet within two or three steps. <laughs> That's so phenomenal, isn't <laughs> That's it? It's just so weird. Oh. And he he did the same thing. Like I contacted him because he wrote a famous dinosaur book and I contacted him and he was like, are you the guy who wrote the Prehistoric Times magazine? Yeah. Actually, no, I found him because I looked up the Prehistoric Times magazine online and I found a picture of a very naked girl holding the magazine. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I looked into this, this website yeah. and there's all these naked girls holding dinosaur stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And then it's like, it's uh, Mike, uh, 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 Don Glut. It's this guy called Don Glut. Yeah. And he wrote Empire Strikes Back. Oh, right? okay. So Radio. This, is, this guy's he's, royalty. Yeah, royalty. Like, yeah, yeah. He's got all these, he's a big dinosaur nut. And he's obviously had all these naked girls come around. He's taking photos of his collection. Well, you <laughs> and know, that's you, how I contacted him. Well, you think about it, like how many kids grew up loving dinosaurs? Yeah. Like dinosaurs are massive, you know. So, you know, anyone that, Sort well, of. they are now, but in the seventies. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was almost a pariah. You know, yeah. You know, fair like enough. Dinosaurs, because there hadn't been no Jurassic Park, and there had been yeah, of there course, no yeah. documentaries or anything like you know, it was it a nerdy sense, thing yeah. to get into. Um, but yeah, so I contacted him. We went, "Oh, you're the guy from Prehistoric Times magazine," and we we got on so well that when I left Chicago, I caught the train to LA. He picked me up. And we went to dinner. He took me around his house and I saw all his dinosaur and movie memorabilia and stuff like that. And so we spent a nice day together and everything. And, yeah, so, like, it's just a weird life. And how cool is that, though? Yeah. Like, but And, you know, blow me out of the water, mate. <laughs> but, like, that's why I had to have you on. I was just like, i gotta, I got to have Phil on, mate. <laughs> but you just take those chances. So if, you, of course. If, you, if, if there's somebody, like, that you see online or, yeah, you know, um, well, I mean, I reached out to you. I was the first one to reach yeah. out to you. Like, I was like, oh, look, because uh, I was just blown away by the by the tour. And I, I initially said, I was like, I've got to have him on. I've got to have him on. And I sort of put it off and I put it off. I was like, nah. <laughs> I was like, nah, stuff it. I'm hitting him up. <laughs> thank God <laughs> you did. That no, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but I... <laughs> This is I, I could keep going for hours, I, and I and the thing I is, I warned you. I know, and but I will definitely have you on for a second part because this is this has been one of the best one of the best fascinating episodes I've been on. So oh, for for every guest that does come on, what we do is um, because you're a guest of the Dead Ass Podcast, um, as you can see, like we you can see a theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, each each you know each each guest that comes on, they get their own. Uh, nameplate. Oh, really? Yeah, as a as a oh. token for coming on. So you've got as your own coffin the name. nameplate. The nameplate. So there's your name on a coffin nameplate. That's awesome. And then we've also got. I just have um, to get me a coffin now. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here's a, here's the second one that Cole's done up for you as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just yeah, of course, please. Yeah. So if you get an email from me, it says World Hardback Wrangling Champion, that tagline has opened more doors than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> because even people that like high up people go, what aardvarks have you wrangled? And they'll contact me. They'll answer the email going, when did you become an aardvark wrangling champion? <laughs> and, and like it's opened all these doors. And I actually got to a museum because I'll get I'll get I'll contact museums because I also wrote a, a a podcast called Bone Rooms about all the world's natural history museums. Oh, cool! Because I've been to them all. Yeah, of course. And you so would where be, do yeah. you see the original T Rex and where do you see the the yeah. fossil of whatever? So I've been slowly producing those, and so I'll get special access, and they'll take me out the back and things like that. <laughs> I get to a museum in Pittsburgh, 
and they go, oh, you've got to come and check this out. And they take me to the staff room and in the staff room on the staff bulletin board is the World uh, Pittsburgh Aardvark Wrestling Championship and all the <laughs> staff have put their names on there and they've had like a wrestle off and <laughs> the last slot is the winner versus me for the <laughs> World Aardvark Wrestling Championship. <laughs> so that just having that weird tagline yeah. has just opened so many doors. That's, so that's fascinating. awesome. No, good on you, mate. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, for the, for the people who are listening to the podcast, mate, how can they get in touch with you with all your – so you've got your podcast with your Bizarre History yep. of Australia. So that's it, – is it just on – you just Google that? And yeah, yeah, just up look or, up, you know, Australian Bizarre History. Australian Bizarre History. But honestly, history. if you just look up Phil Hall. Phil Hall, yeah. <laughs> you know, podcast, you're probably yep. going to find it. H-O-R-E. So without the W. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's weird because, you know, you'll you contact a lot of companies, you know, you'll contact the government or something and you know, they'll send you a letter – and you have to spell out your name and yeah. you're like it's Phil Hall, H O R E. And it will always come back H A L. Does it? Because I'll go, even though he spelled it out, I still think that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so it'll come back. He must have meant H A L. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, but yeah um, but. You, and um, then you've got your Time Safari's website. Yeah, Time Safari's website. Do you have social media and stuff like that as well? I do. Like, uh, um, I was going to say I was on Twitter, but it's not called Twitter anymore. Yeah, what is it? It's called X. X, yeah. Um, And Instagram. Instagram, Um, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, Facebook is is the thing I use a lot. No, that's cool. Um, Because a lot of these people I've I've talked about, I met through Facebook. And and Facebook has a lot of issues, but I will always fight for Facebook because if you use it like a tool and properly, it's a very handy thing. Useful tool. Yeah. And um, uh, I got to talk to all these amazing people like, but th- just through Facebook, so yeah, it's amazing, yeah. isn't so, it? So um, yeah, so Facebook's and, where I'm. And then you do have you do you are an author, and you actually have books yes. As well so available. I've written a Jack the Ripper book. I've written a First World War murder mystery set in yes. the trenches of the First World War about a crucified soldier. The and this is a true story where they yeah. found a soldier crucified on a church door in no man's land. Wow. Um, you know, I've got a book about the uh, the 1950s war on comic books that every generation, you know. Media is blamed on the kids. So currently, computer games are ruining the kids. And yeah. the you know, 90s, it was like rap music's ruining the kids and heavy metal music's ruining the kids and yeah. Dungeons and Dragons ruining the kids. Yeah. In the 50s, it was comic books. Ah. And there's actually government hearings into that. Yeah. But what most people don't know is Australia's number one serial killer and longest serving prisoner was Australia's number one comic book artist in the 50s. <laughs> His comic book was, was more popular than Superman. Was it really? Yeah, and that's why Queensland for a very long time had incredibly strict censorship laws. Okay. Because on the back of that, they went, well, we can't have kids reading that comic. And yes. so they, they started oh, it makes sense. Yeah, cancelling okay. all these things and really took it to the nth degree. So yeah. movies, you know, King Kong, you couldn't watch King Kong in Australia for a very long time because it's a horror film and you cannot have horror films in Australia. You're kidding me. Yeah, so it wasn't until the, like the 70s that King Kong was allowed to be shown again. And I'm talking about the 1930 version. So, yeah, it all comes from this one serial killer guy uh, who's Australia's longest-serving prisoner who was our number one comic book artist and the governments went, wow. oh, we can't have kids reading that. That's unbelievable. I think that was probably about the tangent two... <laughs> thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pull the thread. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I reckon that was probably about the... Oh, I reckon two thousandth 
Wow, I've said it in this podcast <laughs> today. It's just been an absolute. We'll just get a tattoo. Just get a tattoo. Last I'm going, wow. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, having Phil. us. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it, mate. This has been absolutely phenomenal. This was above and beyond how awesome I was expecting it to be, mate. So thank you. You're just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, honestly, um, and uh, I cannot recommend enough. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Enough for people to jump on, get in touch with Time Safaris, and get amongst those um, safari tours. They are phenomenal. So. And watch and listen to the Dead Ass podcast. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the shout out too, mate. I appreciate it. Oh, we'll definitely do that. I'll be putting <laughs> yeah. it on my on. Oh, on thank my you. Yeah. So um, keep an eye out. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone for tuning in, listening, giving us the likes, the shout outs, the five stars, the auto downloads, all the bits and pieces. And if you could do the same for Phil, that would be much appreciated. So thank you to everyone. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Peace out. Catch up with us again soon. Cheers. <laughs>